Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Backstage Podcast. So here's what sucks about pre-recording an episode that deals almost exclusively with current affairs. By the time the episode airs, there's an enormous risk that certain elements discussed are no longer valid. Well, that's exactly what happened in this episode with my guest, Michael Forian. You may remember Michael from an episode of my car ride conversations while he was running as a conservative candidate during the last federal election in 2019. I asked him to come back on the podcast and discuss the leadership race currently underway at the Conservative Party of Canada. Now, I need to advise you that this episode was recorded on Monday, January 20th of 2020, only days before several aspiring candidates announced their decision not to run, which makes listening to this episode a little strange. Nevertheless, I decided to still air the episode because we had a great discussion on the last federal election and some interesting exchanges as per the future of the Conservative Party of Canada. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thanks for coming, man. It's it's a different environment. It's we're not a, driving around downtown driving. Montreal. Yeah, I was gonna say that you are officially the first guest to uh, to come back on the podcast. I'm I'm, I'm back for my uh, the double tap. It's a, <laughs> it's a double tap. It was it was in the car, right? I, it I wasn't. Lost my, I lost my my podcasting virginity <laughs> in your car. Well, there you go. And now you, you you were so kind to invite me to your house. And I'm glad that you made what it. A, what a gentleman, everybody. <laughs> uh, and you brought us a beautiful little bottle of wine. Yeah. Which uh, cheers, yeah, cheers to that. This is a Petal de Soyuz. Okay. This is a red wine from uh, the Okanagan Valley, mm. and it's like my second favorite. Well, he's like you got the second, your second favorite bottle of wine <laughs> as a second favorite because the my favorite is actually Osuesaros. It's like the 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 grandfather of this bottle. Okay, yeah, yeah. but I'm I'm too cheap to actually get that for you, so I got <laughs> I got this one here. Are you a big wine guy? I'm trying to be. Yeah, I'm trying to like explore my. My wine connoisseur. You know how how expensive it is to go to Napa Valley. Like, I, like I've been to Napa Valley. It's like it can cost you easily. Have like, you ever been? No, but I, I'm, oh, I'm looking. Amazing. No, it terrifies me though. No, oh, well, someone, I, well, someone like you that that would probably enjoy drinking all day. Yeah, it's it's gonna get quite expensive. But we had gone with my wife. It's it's it, it's first of all, it's amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. She was pregnant, so she couldn't drink. She what is wrong with you? <laughs> it just happened that we had to I'd be there. I filed the divorce <laughs> yeah. papers immediately. Now we're going. It, it, uh, but it's it's because she couldn't drink. She couldn't eat the the cheeses, all the cheeses that weren't you know pasteurized or whatever. Yeah. Um, so she was just eating nuts, the poor girl. And I was drinking and having cheeses. <laughs> I'm like, babe, this is amazing. Yeah, I want to kill you, babe. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, I promised we'd go back. That's so funny. that's uh, that's on the agenda. Uh, no, thanks for coming back, man. Uh, yeah, you, we had done the car ride uh, during uh, the, the the federal election. It was a segment that I was doing just for the federal, just for the just for the campaign. So yeah, that counts as the as the podcast. So yeah, you are uh, so. you are officially the first guy to come back. Um, it's good to see you. It's good to see you. No, uh, how's everything? It, things are good. I mean, finally caught up and and I think you know de-stressed yeah. after the federal election. So I mean, for the people that you know, or watching or listening that didn't know who Michael Forian is or don't know who Michael Forian is rather. Um, you know, I ran as a conservative candidate in Montreal and um, obviously uh, things did not go the way that I wanted them to go. Surprise, okay. surprise. Yeah. But, but honestly, it, it, I wasn't, you know, it, it didn't feel like I was taking one for the team. 
And I look back at it now and I say, like, listen, my chances were slim, but I did it anyway. And throughout the entire campaign, I had no regrets whatsoever. I did more than 40 media interventions and debates combined. Yeah, I was following, man. You were very, very active. There was one day um, I had five debates. A little bit closer. Yeah. Five debates in yeah. one day. And for me, that was just, uh, it was overwhelming. We started at seven o'clock in the morning doing a debates on uh, transport and environmental Who needs. Who debates at seven in the morning? I hope you Lavery, like Lavery a... Law Firm oh, and okay, Trajectoire, okay. Uh, Quebec. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. The, uh, the transport uh, environmental lobbyists. Uh, nice. So they, they, they like to ruin lives. Um, so, <laughs> but I, I was happy for my life to be ruined that day. I think, I think the candidates do just about anything from any party and, and they're, Candidates are looking for FaceTime wherever no, but, they can. Yeah, but it must be nice that the party had kind of singled you out, especially for the Montreal debates. You were yeah. on TV, you were on radio, you were on all these campuses. But at the same time, singled me out. But I also had to put my raise my hand yeah. and say, hey, listen, you know, I I've, I've you have heard, a writing. Well, you know, I have my writing. But at the same time, like when I'm hearing, you know, that I'm getting calls or texts or messages from organizations outside of my writing um, and they're saying, Hey, listen, we've put in like, you know, three or four requests into the party and to the media war room uh, to get somebody for a debate that's coming up. And we don't have anybody. We've got no exception. Wow. Nobody's yeah. speaking to us. Can you please help us? And I've gone to the party and was like, hey, what's going on? And it's like, yeah, we have nobody for this debate. We really don't think it's important. I'm like, well, you know what? To the Even if it's 100 people in the room or 50 people in the room, they're going to speak to other people. It's important mm -hmm. that we have a presence there. And I think the conservative party really needs to do a better job when it comes to getting in touch with communities that um, they may not be so comfortable with. And that was sort of me. That was yeah. me coming in and being, hey, I'm going to be your, you know, the, the modern conservative, and I'm going to open up some doors you were maybe a little bit afraid to open before. And let's try something new. So how, how did people feel? What was the reception after the, did they look at you all oh, the, the mean old conservative or were they, you know, at for the reaching out to the party? No, for, for doing the, the debate. How are the people? How's the crowd? A lot of them thought that I was some sort of, uh, you know, alt-right, uh, you know, neo-Nazi in disguise. Isn't it that, funny how yeah. this is this is the unfortunate thing about the conservative party. It is very often and wrongfully associated with, you know, the extremism and alt-right, like you said, like nationalists and. It's unfortunate yeah. because when you think of a conservative, you think, oh, like some redneck uh, chanting racist slurs in the streets. Exactly. Whereas, you know, I'm, you know, LGBTQ yeah. positive. I mean, I'm somebody who is very into, uh, you know, uh, being pro-choice. Uh, I'm somebody who, you know, obviously will defend uh, the rights of women. I consider myself a feminist, uh, but I'm also I consider myself a fiscal hawk and a yeah. fiscal conservative. And I think, you know, people, they're they're willing to be open to. Um, you know, fiscal conservatism until you say the word conservatism. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was, it was annoying when I was doing like a, a it's debate. kind of like a zap, right? Like, yeah. Oh, like they're listening to you. They're interested. But when the word conservative slides in, it's right. like, Ooh, what just happened there? But you, you use that opportunity to educate, but yeah. educate in a respectful way and not an aggressive way. And I remember I, I did a, a debate on LGBTQ issues and I had somebody come up to me and they were saying, you know, you hate, um, my community, you hate, um, you know, who we are. And I said, I am your community. Uh, I said, you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm either an advocate for your community or I'm somebody who's speaking up for your community. And, you know, why would you, anyway, it was very confusing and very hurtful. And I said, the only reason why you're saying that is because I'm a conservative and I caught applause in the audience because they're like, Hey, you know what? He's, he's telling the truth yeah. 
because my positions weren't that much different when it came to a lot of the questions they were asking on LGBTQ issues or on, um, you know, trans issues, you know, than, than what the liberals were saying or what yeah. the NDP were saying, because there was a lot of consensus that was found. Yeah. Maybe we didn't go the extra mile on certain policy points, but we had a lot of common ground and they weren't getting attacked anywhere close to the attacks that I was getting. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, I say people need to be more a little bit more open and but it's also our responsibility to to educate and to maybe do a better job in communicating those those values. But, and yeah, but I, also but also historically, I mean, the, the, the conservative party has had a hard time breaking into Montreal. Yeah, it, it just seems like it's this like this wall impossible for them to climb over. I don't know if I don't know if since um, the 80s. Yeah, definitely. And the only way that we have work- they ever had any uh, uh, any MPs out of Montreal? Yeah, like it will drain the uh, the Brian Mulroney wave. He had I people mean, in Montreal. Oh, yeah. yeah, we had a, a good few seats uh, in Montreal. Yeah. I, I want to say upwards of, I could be completely wrong, but at least like maybe six or seven on the island or yeah. in the greater Montreal area. So there was great representation. The one gentleman who comes to mind is like Jerry Weiner, for example, who was a minister under Brian Mulroney. Mm-hmm. He represented Pierrefonds. Okay, um, yeah. so somebody who's like widely respected in the Jewish community, somebody who's you know looked upon as a as a you know a progressive conservative, but a conservative nonetheless. So yeah. I think it was pretty cool. Now he's taking pictures of me while that's filming over there. Yeah, I, I, I this is for the this is for the gram. I forgot to for take the it. gram. He forgot about the gram. I forgot. Uh, <laughs> I'm, inter- forgot I'm interrupting the conversation here. Don't worry about it's it. Okay. Yeah, you want the glass in there? There you go. Uh, yeah, no, those were the glory times of the of the conservative party, right? The, in the, the early the early eighties. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that the only real resurgence that we sort of saw and that we keep on seeing sometimes is with the Jewish community, where, you know, you look at the time of in 2011, where we had Solly Zidel uh, going up against Erwin Kotler. It came within a few percentage points of the conservatives actually being able to take that seat, something that hasn't had never been done even during the days of Brian Maroney. I think you have to go back to like the 1940s to see like there even being a competition, a real competition between the liberals and the conservatives. Yeah. Um, in the riding of Mount Royal. But, you know, now it seems as if it was more, especially after this election, we had a great candidate there, David Torchman. Yeah, who's a yeah he, was on, he was on the show too. He yeah. was on the show. Yeah. Uh, Code St. Luke City Councilor and just a, a stand-up guy. Like a really, like somebody who I became really close to during and the And he's a municipal councilor there, yeah. so he knows his stuff. Yeah, He knows his stuff, he knows his community, He and he's a hard worker, and he's somebody who, you know, knocked on those doors day in and day out. The problem is that I think for a lot of people there, uh, they were voting for the Conservative Party, but they were also voting for Stephen Harper. Yeah. As Stephen Harper was such a, an advocate for the state of Israel, an advocate for the Jewish people, and for the Jewish uh, diaspora. And that was something that really, you know, it, it tapped into them emotionally. And and now with him not so present in the Conservative Party anymore, yeah. I think uh, that support is sort of waning here. It was a tough campaign, and I'm glad that you're here because I I, I practically harassed you to come here. And uh, I came here with pleasure. I came here with gifts. No, no, I, for sure. And no, I appreciate it. But right, you were right in, in, in telling me to wait a bit because there's a, there's a leadership race. And that's exactly yeah. what I wanted to discuss with you. And you're telling me, look, let's just wait a little bit. You know, there's stuff that's going to come out. There's more information. Let's just wait a little. And you were right to, uh, to keep me waiting there um, because in the last month, it has slowly started to take shape. Yeah. Um, but uh, before we get on to that, it's interesting for the people that are listening or watching um, to... Um, to kind of go back because I feel like during this leadership campaign, we're going to be hearing a lot about the reform, you know, um, the, the progressive conservative. So I think it's important to just get people on the same page. 
right. um, because I feel like those two parties' dynamics are going to start resurfacing uh, with this campaign. I feel like when Andrew Shear came in, he was kind of like, you know, the 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 you know the the, the after Harper, where everything was kind of mm. merged still, but nobody was really expecting such a damaging election right. uh, in terms of results. So everybody's going back to the drawing board now and thinking, okay, what do we need? So then these two dynamics within that same party that kind of still exist are kind of resurfacing now. You're hearing West versus East and yeah. progressive versus, you know, the reform and all that kind of terminology. And in urban versus rural. Re- exactly. I mean, that, that's something that we're seeing here too. And, you know, we do, like, speaking about that, you you sort of have to talk about Peter McKay. Mm-hmm. You, you can't talk about, you know, the progressive conservatives versus the reform, um, you know, versus the Canadian Alliance and the whole coming together, the marriage of the of the conservative parties, yeah. modern conservative parties, uh, without talking about Peter McKay. And and Peter McKay, when he made his deal, going back on his word and his promise to David Orchard, who is running up against him in the progressive conservative leadership race um, back in the 90s, Peter McKay made a deal. Um, that basically saved Canada uh, from a conservative perspective from um, more liberal governments, uh, be the minority majorities under Chrétien or under Martin. The this was the deal to this was the deal to end all liberal governments mm-hmm. essentially. Um, at but least he was right. But he was right because he was right too. And but he but he sacrificed um, his political um, leadership aspirations because he knew that Stephen Harper would have a stranglehold on the on the modern conservative party and would right. not be not would like would not let go easily nor would he allow for his successor probably to you know uh, become somebody more of a, a McKay progressive conservative and and that's exactly that was true because you you had Andrew Shear who embodied a lot of what Stephen Harper was so um, those dynamics you're saying still exist within the conservative party absolutely yeah. i mean it's 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 palpable i mean you can taste it you can smell it uh the but but at the same time there's also a third faction that we didn't talk about and that third faction are are, are people Ronna Ambrose when she was interim leader grew the conservative party by such a large membership and i say her i mean she was the interim leader but it was it was people that were joining to vote for you know who they thought would make a great uh yeah because you're in a leadership race so it's normal for the the membership to kind of go up but i i think that also you know her stewardship under the conservative party under on an interim basis you have to give her some credit for the increase And, and yes there was a leadership race going on but there was also an increase when when the leadership had not even officially begun yeah and that brought about conservatives that had never been card-carrying conservatives before people that canadians who had never been a progressive or uh you know canadian alliance reform and and those people have you know by by and large stayed on and a lot of them ran as candidates and and even for myself i mean i got involved in federal politics um with the Robert Libman campaign um, in in Mount Royal it was my first time in 2015. I I had never been involved in federal politics before that, so for me, it was definitely uh, I consider myself one of those modern conservatives, post PC, post Alliance conservatives. Yeah. Okay, so 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 let's just go back a little bit and tell people that are listening or watching exactly, all, you know, all this progression, all this history that the Conservative Party has had. Right. Uh, early 80s. Huge victory. The progressive conservatives get, in, get into power with Brian Mulroney. Right. Um, so he steps down uh, in the mid-80s, mm-hmm. and that's where everything kind of starts shifting, right? Right. Um, you have uh, Jean Charest that want to take over, and he lost to Kim Campbell. 
Um, so let's let's just take it from there, just so that everyone understands a little bit the dynamics and the people, because we're going to be discussing a lot about these guys because right. they're now running as candidates. Like you mentioned, Peter McKay. There's a, there's a possibility that Jean Charest comes back um, back into the picture. So people need to understand a little bit where they were situated uh, and where they're going to be in maybe the coming weeks or the coming months. Yeah, I mean, if you look back to you know, the, the transition from the leadership of, of Brian Mulroney to, to King, Kim Campbell, um, that was the beginning of the end of, of, the, of, the, of the Progressive Conservative Party or, you know, the, the remnants, you would say, of the Progressive Conservative Party because people came to, um, people, people assumed that with the end of Mulroney and with him stepping away, um, that they would be able to continue on uh, the, the victories that they had become so accustomed to. And Kim Campbell fit so outside the box of what a conservative was, or even what a progressive conservative was, had a lot of, you know, very liberal values and was seen as sort of an outsider to even the progressive conservatives um, in terms of the ideology. It, it was really of no surprise that the West did not fall in love with her. Yeah. The rise of the reform crushed the PCs, brought them down to two seats. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's it's and one of those seats being Jean Charest, of course. So <laughs> it's um, it's it's telling that, you know, the, the parties that we had back there and the divisions are very much very similar to what you have today in terms of West versus East, not just in terms of a conservative uh, perspective, but also just in terms of the Western divide that we have now. Yeah. Um, Wexit that, you know, is people are talking about and, and I smile, but at the same time, I think to myself, hey, you know, I got a brother in Calgary. Um, times are tough for him. Times are tough for a lot of Calgarians and for for Albertans. And, you know, I think it's important for us to, we, we say Wexa, I think the, the term sounds really ridiculous, but, <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, but you, you, you have to take it seriously because, you know, as Quebecers, we know first and foremost what that succession exactly. type of sentiment is. So, you know, you have to look at the time back there as a, as a time of division, just like the division that we're facing today, East versus West. And, that was a division that they were facing the PC party back then. They did not look at Kim Campbell as somebody who represented um, the, the values of, of Western Canadians that represent the value of, of fiscal conservatives. So she, but she, she was only there for a very brief time, right? I mean, she came in and they, they went quickly into an election in 93. I think it was uh, Jean Chrétien won and he kind of stayed for God knows how long, but see, it's, it's going back and to didn't what, have about 30. He did pick up about, you know, 20, 30 seats. Yeah. Yeah. Look, he he was a populist man. He was a very popular politician, especially in Quebec, in uh, in rural um, uh, Quebec as well. And he stayed on for a long time, primarily, I think, because there was still that split uh, in right. in the West between all those, you know, the, the the progressive conservative vote and 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 the reform. Yeah. So the guy was just basically ruling with no stress, right? He had nothing to worry about. Um, and then was able to campaign for, you know, saving Canada, yeah. you know, Captain Canada, mm-hmm. you know, what they call Jean Charest. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, that was what, you know, sprung him into, you know, wanting to actually govern. Yeah. So and, Jean Charest, Jean Charest basically took over the leadership after Kim Campbell. And then after that, uh, that referendum in 95 thought, look, there's an opportunity in Quebec. Let me go get it. So he left federal politics, came to Quebec, uh, became premier from 2003. To, to a party that no even conservatives back then would say that's not a conservative party yeah you're 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 taking somebody who is yes a bona fide conservative nobody could take that away from jean charret and he's going to a center left or center center left 
you know, political uh, construct yeah. within Quebec. Yeah. He um, brought the party more to the right. He did. Like he introduced the whole uh, fiscal conservatism in the party's mentality and the yeah. way of doing things. Was he perfect? No. I mean, no. but then again, if you're looking for a perfect politician, you'll be looking for a long time. He, right? he is the perfect campaigner, though. Oh, he's amazing. And and that is the one thing. And the one thing that, you know, we've been speaking or the conversations that I've been having about um, potential candidates that will jump into the conservative leadership race and aspiring candidates and confirmed candidates is they all have the ones that we've heard of thus far. They all have like one or two amazing attributes, mm -hmm. but they also have one or two, you know, deficiencies and things that they have to make up for. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, something that I found really interesting is like, you know, if we could just, you know, take all of those amazing advantages and attributes they have and, and put it all into one person, it'd be a great thing, but yeah, no can do. No, of course not. But no, he, he changed the liberal party uh, of Quebec uh, greatly. When did you start the politics? You provincially, you, you had mentioned during the car it, ride. It was, was just, it was just before 2015. It was with, uh, with Jeff Kelly. It was with um, in 2014. In 2014. And so it was after Jean Charest. It was after the Jean Charest. So you didn't live that era. I lived the era of covering yeah, the Jean because I was yeah. as a, at CJD when you, I was working You didn't there. live the enthusiasm no. as, a, as, a, as a militant and as a liberal. Uh, and, and when I went to, you know, the, the Conseil General, the, the general council meeting of the, you know, with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of members of the, of the PLQ, right before the 2018 uh, provincial election, Jean Charest was there. Yeah. And... That was a, a taste yeah. of of what you would have experienced, yeah, yeah. and and Ooh. I mean the enthusiasm, the crowd, people screaming and chanting "Share, share." He was very uh, look. He was. He still is. Uh, he for me, he was. He's probably one of the most charismatic politicians that I've met. Yeah, I came in in two thousand and seven, uh, so obviously it was under his leadership. Um, he had this way of adding value to every single person, whether you were a cabinet minister, whether you were just a, a regular member of the National Assembly, even if you were just a staffer, you felt so uh, empowered and valued yeah. uh, with Jean Charest. And I think that's pretty much what got the people so excited all the time when he was in a room. He was just uh, electrifying, man. Like it, it was, and it was whether, even if you were, you know, at my time during his reign, I was a journalist, mm -hmm. that he made you, when he was speaking to you, uh, even for those five or over 10 minutes, uh, you were the most important person yeah. in the world. Yeah. And, and that was that feeling, not many people, let alone very few, very few politicians yeah, even yeah, yeah. are able to, to make, make somebody feel that way. And, and, but Chavez still has it. And even when I bump into him in downtown Montreal, I mean, Michael, how are you? He remembers names. He remembers faces. He makes you feel important. He remembers the last time you talked. Yeah, yeah. And no, the, no. What, he, he, you can pick up a discussion with him six months before, and and he knows exactly where you left well, off. Look, the guy's been in the game since he was like a kid. Yeah, you know what I mean. He was born to do politics, and he knew it, and he did it from a very young age. That's all he's known, right? Right. Very, very talented. There's actually a, a little story. I remember back in 2000, and uh, I think it must have been maybe 2010 or 11, uh, we were gearing up for that campaign in 2012. And there was like an internal competition with the party. Right. Whoever, whoever could raise the most membership, I can't remember in how long it was, we were going to get- Not money? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had those competitions yeah, too. Yeah. yeah. Whoever <laughs> could bring the most envelopes. Yeah, no. exactly. <laughs> uh, it, whoever could bring the most members. Uh, your, you know, your, the, new, your new viewers at UPAC over there. Huh? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, UPAC is looking in. Uh, yeah, they, they, we were going to get the, the prize was to get Jean Charest for an event. It could be any event right. we won. And we ended up winning. 
get out. Yeah, we ended up winning. We we destroyed it. The membership. We 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 went close to like a thousand members. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So we had an annual brunch that usually brought in around three three hundred twenty people, which was pretty good. That it is was very a full good. room. You know. Yeah. So they're giving us Jean Charest. They're like, okay, the, you're gonna get him. Let us know the details. Blah blah blah. So we're announcing it to people that, and we couldn't say it, the premier is coming because. At any point in time, something may happen. He may have to cancel. And that's the most embarrassing of course. thing you could ever be So with. his team told us, look, you can't mention that he's coming. You know, figure out a way. Just make sure you have people. We knew we were going to have people regardless, but right. we wanted to just explode it, right? So we're telling, look, we may have a very big surprise, a very special surprise. So that's that was the line, right? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Everybody knows. The place capacity was 320. Past that, you're illegal. Like, they have to bring in the, the, the cops or I don't know what they have to do, but they were like over 400 people. Yeah. It was like standing room only. The guy walks in. The room just exploded. Oh, he's a rock star. Oh. The guy took a good 45 minutes. He went everywhere, all around the room, and it honestly felt like he knew every single person personally. Yeah. And that's how people felt after he was gone. They're like, oh my God, the guy, we had a conversation, this and that. That's the kind of person that the leader that he was now or still is let's be very fair though yeah you look at his successor philip Puyal, and that was no there it was maybe you, the look, complete you, opposite you can't you can't compare you can't compare you can. because one is a very populist person one is like put him on the ground and he's gonna he's gonna he's king right and the other is much more in his mind, right? Yeah, it's like, he's okay, a very Cartesian. Yeah, what do we need to do? We need to get from point A to point B and let's get it done. And he did it, right? I mean, right. we got a lot of heat for, for it, but look at everything now. Quebec is at, at the best position that it's ever been, at least in recent history. And it's all because of the difficult decisions that he had to put in place, right? So that's the kind of politician that um, Philip Couillard was. But obviously, you know, in terms of, you know, the personal interactions and his... Uh, his charisma and you know i i met him personally he's a very funny guy he's very he, he's a he's a cool dude i actually sat and we had lunch with uh, with philip cuillard uh it's just that the impression that he gives is not the same that Charest, because he's just that's how he is naturally there, there are some people that are good in crowds yeah there are some people that are good one-on-one -on -one. Yeah. i would say cuillard is much better one-on-one -on -one with people yeah. and he he has that and it's naturally he's a he's a doctor He's somebody who's had to go and break, you know, good news and sometimes really, really bad news to patients. Yeah. Um, and, and you, you it, see look, that. It's cutthroat. It's bam, 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 bam. It, like, it's, it's very mechanical. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Um, is it the best thing in politics? Mm. You know, I mean, people can judge, you know. Uh, but at the end of the day, he got the job done, right? He didn't stay there because, like you said, maybe he's he was missing the qualities that Sherry has. Right? I, I think, the, the you know talking conservative politics now we're going to provincial quebec politics but very quickly like on that the i think it's because there was less feeling people didn't feel anything from cuillard's government people didn't feel engaged yeah. they didn't feel motivated and i think you know you look back at 2014 a lot of people say that he won by mistake he won because PKP thrust his yeah. arm into the look, air there was a lot of factors, in independent yeah. quebec there were a lot of factors but people think that that was 2014 was too early for him the because don't forget 2014 and we had uh, this conversation with david Dertel, who was here in the in the previous episode um we started that campaign and we we weren't ahead of anything nope. we you know we were scared we were ahead of no one <laughs> you know we, we were afraid uh and like you said it was pick up his fist that did everything for us and especially in our writing where you know it's, it's very you know multicultural uh multi-ethnic whatever you want to call it 
the fact that you know we had the charter of values to work with we had suddenly uh, a question of a potential separatism you know referendum coming with pick up his fist in the air and everything it was as if the stars were aligned for us we had the best majority uh, ever th- in that yeah. campaign so yeah there was different factors that worked in uh, uh to help us in 2014 uh, and it, it, you know, it's politics, right? You win some, you lose some. The, 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 the 2018 campaign was just brutal. Yeah. Brutal, brutal, brutal. I felt that. I felt that a lot. Oh, Jesus the, Christ. <laughs> you was, felt it more than anybody. You were yeah, a candidate. Look, I was, but. yeah, I was running. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, I, I, I had been there a long time and for, for us, and I, I can't generalize this feeling, but for a lot, for a lot of people, including myself, Losing is just part of the deal. It's part of the game, man. Oh, I I know exactly yeah. how that feels. So, I've I've now done it myself. You, you felt it no, exactly, yeah. but I mean, w- even while I was running, even before the election started, you you always think, look, man, we can lose. We're we're all in or nothing, you know. Uh, and still today, there's people that I talk to that that are still bitter about losing that mm, election. No, they still haven't gotten over it. I'm like, guys, man, come on, wake up. It's you, done. You, you realize the mistakes. You 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 make sure you don't make them again, and you move on. Absolutely, yeah. that's how I felt. Like from day from day one. I'm like, okay, look, yeah. let's pick it up. What do we do wrong? Let's get together. Let's re, you know, let's regroup, and let's do better next time. You know, we had that exercise in terms of a post mortem, and we I think we had for the Conservative Party in the past little while the best post mortem. I heard it was brutal, man. It Sheer was brutal. Came to Quebec, and it was just. I was in the room in Montreal. And I was getting strummed by journalists walking out, and it, it was it was a, a nightmare. It was a horror show, absolutely. But it was the best postmortem in terms of everything was put on the table. Yeah, nobody. We you got to see how the sausage was made, and and where it went really wrong, and where you found the listeriosis. Yeah, and it was it was really bad in terms of of the what we found. But it was a really good operation, and and John Baird, um, a mentor of mine, a friend of mine, was able to. Uh, you know, preside over that report and and work on on developing the report and submitted it to uh, to Andrew. And I think that the next leader uh, who is going to receive it because it's only being shared with Andrew and whoever becomes the next leader yeah. is going to be able to use that to their advantage, a uh, real advantage, uh, because this was. He spoke with every major organizer, candidates, um, you know, uh, person who who was need needed to be spoken to uh, after the election. And I guess that's a, like you said. I think it's important, at, even if it's brutal. At least it's the honest truth. Yeah. You know, what I mean, look, this is what it is. There, there's you, no bullshit. Yeah, exactly. You have everything. You have a real picture of what went wrong. How how do people feel? Uh, and let's not repeat that mistake. Yeah. So let's go back. Uh, let's go back to the campaign. I'm not going to ask you to tell me what was discussed. Obviously, it's behind closed doors. But what went wrong? Turn the camera off. (laughs) Yeah, let's close off the audio. We'll be right back. Yeah, no. Um, What went wrong, man? What What was the main feeling? What was the main the main sentiment? Because you know, going back to a couple months before the campaign, both the Conservative Party and the Liberal Party had the similar strategy. They had to gain seats in Quebec. Uh, for the Liberal Party to maintain their majority and for the Conservative Party to win, even if it was a minority government. Right. And they both failed, right? So, so, yeah. So they failed. The Liberals got the minority and the Conservatives obviously didn't win. Our targets were the seats that were, that could go block or they could go for us. Heavy Francophone majorities outside of Montreal, yeah. the regions, uh, the the two hundred kilometer corridor north and south of Quebec City, uh, those were what we were targeting big time. And 
before I tell you what went terribly wrong, I have to tell you what went terribly right. Mm-hmm. Um, we had the best, at least for Quebec, we had the best uh, campaign team that we've ever had. We had the best organizers. We had the best ground game. We were months and months ahead of the Liberals and the Bloc and the obviously the NDP because they had no ground game mm-hmm. whatsoever. We were ahead of everybody in terms of naming our candidates, getting our policy out there, knocking on doors. We we knocked the most doors. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we knocked like crazy. We knocked that there was no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And you know that was because we had great organizers and great leadership. Alain Reyes, MP for Richmond North Basca, our Quebec lieutenant, a Quebec political leader. Let's say you know as almost like a deputy leader for Quebec for the leader was a machine, mm-hmm. and, and he brought that leadership to the table. I think for a lot of people. Uh, that were our Quebec candidates or our Quebec campaign managers or volunteers or organizers, they looked up more to Alain than they did to Andrew. And they were more inspired by Alain than they were by Andrew Scheer. Not to take anything away from Andrew Scheer, but that's why Quebec is so important. And Mm -hmm. you need a Quebecer to be able to run Quebec. And it's always a fight every election for the Conservative Party. Do we let Quebec do their own thing in terms of you know, their own message, their own ground game, their own leadership? taking over that campaign in Quebec and they're responsible for their own thing? Or do we make it part of the the the, the, the campaign silo, the yeah. campaign megastructure and Quebec is just another province? And every single time they have this debate, and it's a debate that happens every single time, Quebec always wins. Mm-hmm. And Quebec gets, and, and that's a good thing. Quebec should have that. Um, now, here's what went terribly bad. Everything was going great for us in Quebec ground-wise until Andrew Scheer came to Quebec. Yeah. Or until... You know, the Liberal Research Bureau in Ottawa dug up a tape of Andrew Scheer from 10, 15 years ago. But the abortion. And well, no, 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 the, 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 the gay rights. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, comparing us to, to a dog's leg. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. so it's, um, that's what was killing us on the ground. And then, and then, you know, when it came to abortion, for example, the ambiguity in terms of, uh, you know, will you stop your members from voting on private members' bills yeah. if they're introduced? And we don't really. And then you know, you one answer. It was one confusing. Day it was confusing. It was very. There was no clear answers. There were in, in or any answer whatsoever, clear or not. Yeah, and the liberals, uh, and, the, and the, you got to give it to the liberals. They did a great job in in banging on that yeah. nail, right? Consistently, we were giving them the material. It's like here you go. And 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 I like think if, if if you think sorry to interrupt you, but if you th- if you think about it, I mean, the fact that 2018 started off on such a bad note for the Liberals with the whole uh, Wilson Raybould uh, thing, the SNC uh, affair, uh, and then you know the campaign starts just weeks before you have the whole blackface thing that surfaces, and people were thinking that's it, it's, he's done, it's done, right? Like how can you lose a campaign when you have that? You know what I mean? Like it's gold. Look what I have. It, it, I will I, honestly. It was one of these campaigns where I was like, with my mouth left open, I was like, "What the hell just?" But happened? then again, how could you, the preparation not have been there? Right. right. And like, how do you not know that Andrew Shear has dual citizenship? How do you not know that uh, he? Yeah, ma- but Michael, these things are easy. I mean, okay, they, of they, course, they, they dig something up, that, find the reply, why, and it, it, give it, the answer. Somebody like you and me, yeah, you know, we're political operators. We know how this works. We would have asked these questions or we would have been like, hey, you know, this is important to state, you know, Andrew Scheer, for example, like had he lied on his, you know, candidate document, his candidate application form about his citizenship, he wouldn't have been a conservative candidate himself. Yeah. And I think that's really important to note um, that 
you know, we need to also ensure that because this is the problem that every party has. They look at their leaders as some sort of deity. They're they're a demigod. Mm -hmm. And they feel that, oh, well, the leader, they don't really have the same standards or no, you have to if you want real leadership, real leadership has to follow the same thing every other candidate does. Yeah. And that includes doing the application form, doing the background check, yeah. things that you would think are really Of course, the staff, when you have a bunch of yes men around you, oh, we don't want to offend the leader. We don't want to make him uncomfortable. We don't want to waste his time, whatever. Yeah. But if you don't ask these important questions, it's going to come and bite you. They're difficult yeah. questions. They're difficult questions, but it will save your ass in the election yeah and and in this case this is what happens when you don't this is the prime example yeah um but in, in quebec in particular um in, in in you know everywhere we did poorly the gta uh quebec at large um you know every urban center that we wanted to pick up and even like in the suburbs where in ontario we're like oh there's no way we're going to be losing at least a rate seat mm -hmm. against adam yeah. vancouverton yeah, yeah um you know she's you know so respected and so progressive yeah. and you know is that pc type candidate um, it was, you know, not knowing where the leader stands on abortion. It was not knowing where the leader stands on, on, on gay rights. Andrew has no problem with gay people. Mm -hmm. Andrew invites friends of mine to his house, gay couples to eat with his wife, Jill. Yeah. It's a it's, communication, it's, but thing. it's, it's calms a hundred percent. And it's, it's, um, naivety yeah. to a certain extent, because you don't want to come out and say, Hey, you know what? And, and this is the thing, Andrew Shear's answers when it came to responding on gay rights, for example, saying, you know what, I, uh, I have my personal views, but I will never legislate on, on these issues as a, as a leader. That's a great answer. If you're Paul Martin in 2005. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not, uh, it's not an answer you give in 2019 Canada. Yeah. And that was the problem that we were facing. It was an optics problem. Yeah. You know, how, how did this whole thing resound in the West? Because, I mean, we're in Quebec. We saw everything happening out here. We saw, you know, the, the press. It was a lot of bad press. Obviously, uh, those things stuck on him like mud and just you could just, just couldn't wash it off. Mm -hmm. What happens in the West where, you know, people are obviously much more, you know, loyal to the conservative party. They're much more, you know, conservative leaning uh, electorate. How was the press over there? Were they more defending him or was it the same? Oh, my God, what's going on? This train is crashing. No, I think for the press, I can't really say because you're so focused during the campaign, you're so focused on what's happening in your in your own well, general let's area. Say your but colleagues out west, did they see the election the same way that you saw it? Uh, no, because for them, when they were knocking on doors, it was as if um, Andrew Shear can go into the middle of the street, start eating a small child, and he'd still win by yeah, a super majority. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there was no we we got the you know we sound like like Clinton to a certain extent. You know, we won the popular vote. Um, but we won the popular vote because we got votes and ridings we didn't need them in. Um, and we lost votes and ridings that we did need them exactly. in, in, in Ontario. But in Saskatchewan, for example, every seat is conservative. In Alberta, all but one seat is conservative. Uh, you know, in, in the BC interior, all conservative. Manitoba, especially in the rural areas, all conservative. Yeah. So it's that urban... There, there is that urban rural divide, but there's also that Western divide in terms of Alberta and Saskatchewan right there. But I think for them, you know, what they were facing, they, you know, you, if you were to look at the Twitter um, profiles and the Facebook posts of candidates in Western Canada, you, you would think that we're going to, the conservatives were on the verge of winning their, their biggest majority yet. Yeah. Uh, that would have triumphed, um, that would have trumped uh, Stephen Harper's majority in, in yeah. 2011. Yeah. Not and, the case. And, and the debates also didn't help. No. 
I think I think the biggest surprise for everyone, let alone the conservative uh, clan, was Yves-François Blanchet in the Bloc Québécois. You know, this guy came in the beginning of 2018, very little hopes. I, I obviously knew the guy because he was in, in the National Assembly. I knew so, him too. So I got to see him in opposition, and then I got to see him when he was in government as, a, as the environment minister. This guy is one talented guy. He's an amazing parliamentarian. He's very eloquent. And, you know, I kind of felt that it's going to pick up, but not to the point where he, he, he became, you know, the second party in Quebec. And I think that he stepped all over the strategy the conservatives had of taking over the, the CAC seats. Am I wrong? I saw it from a mile away. Yeah. Because when I was my, my last job working inside of the, the government of Quebec was working for Jacques Chagnon. Yeah. And as we all know, or at least we know, um, Jacques Chagnon's final few months, year in government was, was not the prettiest. Mm-hmm. Um, having to fight spending allegations and, you know, overspending and lack of management and, and not the kind of shit you want to go out on. Yeah. And, and that was a big problem for, for us. But I mean, it, it was... You know, it was an opportunity for me to, to prove myself to to Jacques and say, listen, you know, let's because Jacques uh, was very stubborn um, in not having a press secretary and he oh, didn't he have a press secretary, he didn't have a comms advisor. And, wow. you know, I was the only person in his staff who had I ever done comms okay. to begin with. Yeah. And, you know, it's we did have comms people that were bureaucrats that worked for the National Assembly. Yeah, yeah, yeah but that did not think with a political mind. They yeah. worked from an institutional perspective. Yeah, yeah. And so when I was getting calls from, from journalists, one of those journalists would be Yves-François Blanchet. Yves-François. And Yves-François would call me. And, and he, he, I obviously speak French, but he, he noted the hint of, of Anglophone accent within me. And he started speaking in English to me. And it was it was rough at the first, but I was like, oh, it's, it's, it's a good effort. And, you know, yeah. you know, but when we continued in French, I was like, okay, interesting. And just the questions that he would pose that I would, you know, mo- more often than not, not be able to give him an answer, but I would give him some spin. He thought yeah. it was really funny. Yeah. And it, we had sort of this back and forth uh, the few times that we spoke where I really appreciated where he was coming from. And and I saw that he was not trying to screw over one of his former colleagues. Yeah. He just wanted to get the story straight. Yeah. And, and he wanted to also portray at the same time how... Um, one spending does not represent the man exactly. or their career. People make mistakes and politicians are a reflection of human society. You're not going to get perfect people. That's if you're looking for that in politics, good luck. Yeah. You're going to be looking for a really long time. Yeah. And I respected that, but I also knew from when I listened to him after I spoke with him, where he was coming, he was a master of comms. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and that's how I knew yeah. when I saw him come up in the, in the Black Quebecois, he was going to be a major contender. Look, I, I I knew that he was going to bring up the numbers. I had him at around between fifteen and twenty seats. <gasps> you know, you, you you had him more, yeah. Oh, I, I had him. At way I had him fifteen, had him twenty, at th- I, minimum thirty. But I thought, look, he's there. The party's not going anywhere because everyone thought, look, two thousand eighteen, the block is disappearing. We're never going to hear of it again. I had him at your numbers before the campaign started. Without him as a leader, no, with, with him as a leader. But before, when I start, started seeing me, started seeing him in the debates. Oh yeah, and, no, 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 for sure. And I had my my, my ang- Anglo members of my family who were saying to me, "This Yves Francois Blanchet guy that I saw on on Tout le monde en parle. Wow, this yeah, guy yeah. he speaks my language. He, oh my god, it was like it was and and his uh, his English debate was much better than the other English candidates. Yes. debate in French, like the, yes. the, the the opposite. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, he he wasn't that bad. 
He, no. It took time for him to develop, but he wasn't bad. But it came off as, as sincere and authentic. He was the real deal. He's good. He's good. He's like, really he, good. Really tough to, to, to debate on him. And I th- I honestly think that he he won all the debates, especially the French, obviously the French one. Like he he wiped the floor with everyone. Yeah. But it wasn't easy for uh, for sheer either. I mean, those debates were well, just the fir- brutal. It set the first debate, set the tone for every debate after. I mean, and he got better. I mean, but the Tivia debate at the, the very oh, first one that was, God. and and we were at the casual spa at the Bell Center uh, that night with a bunch just of holding your head. Oh, uh, but we were, <laughs> but we were really trying so hard to leave a, a positive impression when he came into the, um, into the casual spa after because he, he came by, had a, you know, everybody was chanting, whatever. Yeah. But, you I mean, got to encourage the, the guy. The, you the can't train, train, slap the him. train seals were at it again. <laughs> and yeah, get, get the hell out of here. No, it was like, go back to your hotel room. No, but it was, it, it was tough because you know, you at the same time, like he's your leader. Yeah, of course. And, and he's a human being. And yeah. I mean, you, you don't, you, you, you treat him with respect, but we all knew that he effed up and that was, it, it sucked. It sucked, but we, we were in trying to encourage him. We were saying, Hey, you know what? It was, it was tough, but you came out good. And yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's rough. Yeah, it's yeah. really rough. It's rough. You know why? Because you only need to screw up once. And that's the clip that the, the, the it's just going to be repeatedly shown everywhere. Yeah. Right. And it's going to, it's going to hurt. It hurts. Yeah. It's um, it, it wasn't easy, and, and I remember like speaking to Jill, uh, his wife, mm-hmm. um, at Casual Spa, and I took her aside and said, "Hey, you know, it's a, it was tough. It was, it was, it was, you know, it was tough." And and I remember her saying, "You know what? But you know, can we still make this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, now we can." Yeah. And inside my mind, saying, "Michael, what are you saying? Of course, what are you? Are you nuts? Come on." <laughs> She knows you lied to her, by the way. She tested she, you. She <laughs> probably, but I, 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 th- I think even her, she was willing to accept that lie and wanted that lie just in the moment so they can get a somewhat of a, of a, of a night's rest. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, it was just downhill. It was downhill. And, you know, look, going into this campaign early 2018, I, I honestly thought that the conservatives had a good chance just yeah. because of all the dirt that Justin Trudeau had to kind of dust off. And I thought there's no way that going into this campaign, this thing's not going to come back to hurt him. Yeah. And number two, and more importantly, there's no way that the conservative people aren't going to prepare adequately to attack him on those same issues and just destroy him during the campaign. And in addition to that, the third point was that the CAC had just won provincially and all he had to do was just follow that path because obviously, you know, considering the fact, well, you know, if we consider Legault to be a more right-wing party you would logically think that that electorate would kind of follow suit and vote conservatives. And I think that's what the strategy was until Yves-François Blachette came in the picture and just completely, he just said, look, whatever Quebec wants, I'm good with it. Right. And all that vote went to the block. And and I think it's it's tough to sell Quebecers on somebody uh, who leads a party that is not from their province, first and foremost, and doesn't speak their language as yeah. fluently as the guy who is from their province. Yeah, but Harper it, didn't do that bad as well. And he and they respected the fact that at the end he had um he had, you know, uh made like his French had gotten much better. Much better. So they saw that. And I think people in Quebec appreciate that. You but know? but the thing is with Harper, like even before leadership and and you know, before he became prime minister, Harper took the the effort to go to Jean Pierre, for example, and and spent two, three weeks living with a family up there, uh, with his family. And doing this sort of, you know, like live in French program that was essential to him, you know, being able to, you know, speak French without having to read it off a piece of paper. And if I hear one more leadership candidate for the Conservative Party, party tell me 
that they're bilingual because they can read off a piece of paper. Not good enough. French words. I'm going to scream. You can't do that. You but can't. but that's yeah. and and that's what qualifies for I'm bilingual outside of Quebec. And oh, people, really? people think that if you're able to read the words on a piece of you're paper bilingual. and not understand F all yeah, no. that you're a qualified bilingual Canadian. And it, it, it makes me want to rip my hair so out. So you think it's essential for the next leader to be bilingual? Yes. And, and bilingual, but at, at least, listen, they may not be as fluent as an Yves-François Blanchet or a Pierre Poirier. No, but at least communicate know. effectively. Yes. And, 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 but need to be able to respond in not, not the general election debate, but in this debate coming up, we're going to have French language debates that are coming up in the conservative leadership election. It is going to be important for them to look into the camera and look into the voters in front of them and respond effectively in French to not with prepared lines, but to what they're being attacked on in French as well. And if they can't do that, forget about it. And and that's why, you know, looking at the current slate of people that have said, I'm in, I'm sort of in, I'm thinking about it, I'm returning phone calls, whatever, in terms of, you know, them wanting to run. Um, Peter McKay is this this stoic figure of of progressive conservatism and is somebody, you know, the guy who took the the bullet so that Stephen so that Stephen Harper could unite conservatives. But his French is borderline non-existent. No way! I didn't know that. I thought he was bilingual. No, that guy isn't because he, he for everyone listening and watching. I mean, he's not coming out of nowhere. Obviously, the guy's been in government for a long time, and he served under the Harper government uh, under several uh, cabinet posts. Right, so I, I was convinced that his uh, that he um, that he knew French. His French was better when he was in cabinet. His French was better when he was serving under Stephen Harper. Well, yeah, because you have all this staff that surrounds well, you and they and, prepare you and they brief you and and like even even if you're in Ottawa, which is like predominantly English, um, even if you're in Ottawa, the French is is more spoken in Ottawa than it is back in in, in Central Nova, or you know now he's living in Toronto. I mean, like you know Ottawa still has the the a French flair to it mm-hmm. to a certain extent, mm-hmm. um, and and you do get you know courses paid for by the government to for ministers and for MPs to be able to learn French or learn their second language if you're coming from Quebec and don't know English, for example. Um, you know, th- those are there. But Peter came to uh, Buffet Fulham in Boucherville, which seems to be like a, a hot spot for conservatives. <laughs> I, it's like, <laughs> that's, that's just we need so to really up our standards here. It's just so I random. Man. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's no bueno. As, I, as I'm going there in, in, the, in the metro and I'm looking up on Google reviews, all the like the complaints and the, like the notices sent by, by the government of Quebec for like, like tons of food and food and health and safety violations. I'm like, oh, this, this oh is the God. perfect spot for a conservative get together. That's so funny. Boy, am I happy. Um, and so I get there and I'm like, I, I, I don't know Peter McKay yeah. from a hole in the wall. I've, I've met him never up until then. Like I'd never met him in my life. And he, he, he comes in and, and you know, me being me, I'm like, eh, bonjour, comment allez-vous, monsieur McKay? Ça va bien? And it's like, he tried, he really did. But you could tell that, Hey, when you're working on Bay street and working as a corporate lawyer in, in, in Toronto and you've been away from Ottawa it's for so many, it's, 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 you're not speaking it's French and, and that's a problem. And here's the important thing, for, you know, but, but let me just say, yeah. it's a problem that he can fix and that I, he's, he's doing two hours of French every single day. This is what his team tells me. Yeah. 
two hours of French every single day. His wife is forcing him to speak French. That I don't believe. Yeah. I don't believe that his his wife, who's who is who is a French speaker, but her French is it's okay. I don't believe that she's she's speaking to him in French yeah. every single day. Um, but she, apparently they are. So she, I've I've been told that it's getting better. Yeah. But you don't just start learning French in 2020 for a, a major political party in Canada when the leadership race begins. Yeah. Because look, this is the important thing to mention. You know, the whole thing about bilingualism. Mm -hmm. You can focus on getting members uh, primarily in other provinces that are going to push you to become leader. So you, you can, you can get into this leadership, uh, into this leadership race and say, you know what? People may think it's important to be bilingual. I don't care. I'm going to jump on, uh, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon, do the race focus on my membership outside of Quebec that is much more Anglo and win. Problem is, come election time, you're going to need Quebec. Yep. Right? Oh, it's the holy grail of majority governments. Yeah. Well, look, Quebec and the greater Toronto area. I yeah. Mean, let's not just focus but it, on but Quebec. It's a, yeah, but yeah. it's a combination of the two. Yeah. And, and if you neglect one, uh, good luck. Yeah. Your, your chances are, are dissipating fast. Okay. So let's talk about the leadership race. So, yes. so far... Um, what do we know? So what are the rules? What are the regulations? Uh, these things have been already established as a committee. It's actually uh, chaired by Lisa Rake. Yes. Okay. And then Dan uh, Nolan. Uh, okay. So he's a former candidate. Uh, Lisa, obviously a longtime Harper cabinet minister. The, for all intents and purposes, the matriarch of the, of the Andrew Scheer tenure of the conservative party and somebody who's respected by everybody, mm -hmm. um, conservatives and non-conservatives, um, so, uh, you know, they're, they're sharing that right now. The, the rules that came out were uh, to be expected, I think, um, $300,000 entry rates uh, to come in, $200,000 at the beginning, and then a final uh, $100,000 you have to give in. Um, you know, you have to get 3,000 signatures by the, the final um, run up to the debates. Um, so, but it, it's all in, in stages, right? Yeah. A thousand signatures for the first deposit. Then another thousand, then another thousand for an eventual three thousand. What's the so, deadline for the the candidatures to? Uh, February twenty seventh. Okay. Yeah. So there, there's still some time, but but not as much time as you mm. think if you're if you're a you want to run a month, major yeah. campaign. Um, and so you know, so you have the spending limits uh, about five million dollars. So it's basically unlimited. I mean, there, that's that's quite a bit. Yeah. Um, that's it's the same as it was in twenty seventeen. I think Max did raise. I think a little bit more than half, maybe three million. Yeah. Um. You know, and for full disclosure, I was working on Maxine Bernier's camp leadership campaign. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's clarify um, that. Not yeah. his, not his election campaign. Yeah. Um, but it's um, we were the best at fundraising. We kicked butt. Like it was, we were doing uh, you know, fundraisers every single day, um, across Canada, and it was the money was just coming in, and and Max motivated a lot of people. I worry as to whether or not we're going to see that this time. Mm -hmm. I don't know if people are as motivated, especially just after an election defeat. So I, I'm a little bit worried about that. Look, I think the fact that it's a minority government and that elections could be called at any time, anytime, you know, quote yeah. unquote, anytime, you know, it's not the same like now, for example, at the provincial where the liberals have uh, a leadership race and they've already started, you know, the first year and you have another three to go there it's difficult like it's it's slow yeah. to pick up right but when you, you when you're and, like, no, and nobody's raising money in the plq leadership i, I know for a fact I, that I can confirm i yeah. mean uh it's it's just not picking up i mean yeah. there there isn't any enthusiasm whereas when uh you know back in 2000 and um when was it 2013 mm -hmm. 
it was the PQ that had a minority government and the leadership race happened really quickly. Right. But things moved, man. People got enthused. I mean, there was money. But then again, it followed the candidates. The, the candidates brought out a lot of support, right? right. Now, and I don't want to, you know, uh, downplay any of the candidates. I mean, there's only two so far. I, 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 you know, I mean, they're great people. I've met them both, but they, they just don't seem to be picking it up. I think at the federal level for the conservative party, it may be the equivalent of what the liberal uh, party did back in 2013 because it's a minority government things might uh, you know let's let's get the the show on let's yeah. expedite this yeah i figure but at the same time i just don't know speaking to people on the ground people are still really upset they, because you have to understand like andrew left this in a position where um he was telling people and telling the media three that days he was before, still yeah we're in majority position the conservatives are going to be forming a majority government on october 21st and people were like oh my god this is this is amazing. Like Andrew Shearer is saving the day. His campaign is saving the day. And October 21st came in. <laughs> it was anything but. But that was the that was the the um the false hope. And I think that really annoyed a lot of people in that sense there. Yeah. So looking at the field right now, so three hundred thousand dollar entry fee, that's higher than it was in in 2017. It was only a hundred back then, three thousand signatures, but that's honestly pretty easy mm-hmm. to get. And if you can't you know, raise that money, to be honest. And if you can't get 3000 signatures from across Canada, you, you, you shouldn't, shouldn't be, be right. Yeah, you shouldn't be right. It's, it's fair and square. So, but you look at the, the, the deadlines to actually get in right now. Um, and June, uh, February 27th is that, that cutoff right there for people to actually get um, their first installment of signatures and the money in. Um, this is really what people are looking out for because we're as as much as we're hearing about people like Pierre Poliev, mm-hmm. um, who recently did a tour here yeah. in, in in Montreal. Um, you know, he, uh, we're talking we're not talking about people like Ron Ambrose, um, or at least we're waiting to hear from what she's saying. And then media reports come out saying that you know she's not running at all. And then I speak to people who are like speak to her every single day and saying, yeah, she's taking her sweet ass time and she can afford to because if Rana wants this. Uh, she can win it. Mm-hmm. There, there's no question in anybody's mind in the Conservative Party from, uh, you know, a, a conservative strategist from for decades, or you know, somebody who joined last year the, the party that Ronna Ambrose could own this party if Why, she wanted to. Because um, remember how I told you that Lisa was the matriarch of the Andrew Shear tenure of the Conservative Party. Ronna Ambrose is the matriarch of the Conservative Party, yeah. and it's because she did a kick-ass job at governing over as an interim as an interim leader and and so much so that people were begging her to stay to stay listen you can't run when you're interim leader you can't run yeah for you can't run but well, at least stay on stay as an on MP. yeah and you know what we we're gonna you're gonna be ready for us come uh the campaign 2019 and if we don't make it probably not going to make it you're you're good to go for 2020 for a leadership election yeah. there and we're ready for a general election with you thereafter so nobody doubts that Rana, you know, w- would not be able to win this. She can. She has support across the country. She has big fun, um, fundraisers, big organizers. It's there. Mm-hmm. Um, but if she, but in the hypothetical sense that she says no, and she has every right to say no because uh, there's been media reports that uh, Justin Trudeau would be offering her an ambassadorship in Washington D.C., mm. which is very appealing for somebody who you know, is, is an amazing public servant as she is. And, um, you know, why would you, you know, sacrifice that stability, mm-hmm. um, but diff- a difficult job nonetheless for 
an opportunity that may or may not because come. you love it man that's why and, but, just... but here's the thing does she because rana um she's uh not a newlywed but she's in the beginning of, of the early stages of her of her of her new marriage mm-hmm. and she does not want ottawa to ruin that marriage and, right. she, and she loves her spouse a lot mm-hmm. um and i think that there was sort of a deal that was made uh, perhaps to um the fact that you know she when she left as interim leader that was it and that was the political legacy she was going to leave behind and nothing else would come about it afterwards and for her to stray from that sort of security and that that love she has for her spouse and and to sacrifice that or even not sacrifice it but to, you know put it in you know relative uncertainty yeah um for 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 political for her political future and for the sake of the party that's a big gamble right there mm-hmm. and i think that's what she's she's gambling with right now she's weighing it out um okay so $300,000 $300,000 signatures the convention deadline uh end of february mm-hmm. and the um, the leadership convention is in june 27th in toronto is it a coincidence that it's on pride uh weekend uh coincidence i think not yeah um i'm thrilled. making a statement yes yeah and and i, and I think it's right i think yeah i think it's very right and i think that uh thus far pierre Poliev has been the only you know presumed candidate because he hasn't officially declared that he's running but i think it's safe to say that he is running well look no the confirmed there's erin o'toole that's confirmed uh no because he hasn't really come up publicly but oh, he's no? he's told he he told people according to the, the toronto star at a, a cocktail fundraiser where doug ford and a bunch of other ontario um, provincial ministers were at that he's going to be running but he hasn't told the media publicly oh, it's not and official if you ask if, if if the press were to go go to him tomorrow and say are you running he would say i have no comments yeah the lines but yeah. He, he will be running Aaron o'toole marilyn gladu yeah she has declared she has declared yes uh peter mckay came out but officially you, said it yes uh on twitter uh, yeah, and is not is we're wa- awaiting his announcement that could possibly be on wednesday at his home riding in in nova scotia, in nova scotia. Yeah. rodolph husney made a statement rudy a, rudy, you know rudy. Yeah, yeah he's a great guy i, I saw a post on facebook yes. I, I haven't seen anything since so i'm yeah. not sure if he's backtracking or I, if he's no, doing it i signed his nomination papers yeah. uh this morning and i I'm, i have to send it back to him tonight, he, is he so back he, he's he's, uh, he's apparently good to go um i think you know i i have Look, my th- doubts these, these are less known yeah. uh conservatives they were uh they were candidates because there's also bobby singh out of ontario yeah he was a, he was In a Toronto. candidate he he came out publicly so from what i know so far at least at the time that we're recording this these are the people that seem to be confirmed you're just and then, and then pierre i mean pierre did his tour here in Canada. yeah but he, he's, he's not official so not yeah official, so yeah. potential candidates there was ron ambrose pierre not, not Pol- official even though i had to sign his nomination papers the other day <laughs> but it's okay so, yeah. yeah okay but you know you're signing signatures it's right. fine <laughs> look we're not it was, dumb it was doing he's, it gonna, for fun. he's gonna do it he's gonna do it ron ambrose pierre poliev jean charret is still a big question mark and vince guzzo uh, who came out and thought he was going to do it. But look, he he yeah. came out and said that he would support Charest, uh if Charest would run. Charest right now is having a lot of hard time in Quebec. He's having uh, a lot of hard time everywhere yeah. in Canada. What are you hearing? Um, I'm hearing that people are expressing their frustration as to Charest coming in. People want to send them a message loud and clear to him that he is not accepted in the party. Why? Because the, he's not a conservative. What, what do you mean? They, they're saying that he's not a conservative. They don't because look at he him. spent so much time in the Liberal Party of Quebec. Um, 
that is, I think, one of the weaker arguments. One of the stronger arguments is, you know, somebody who's in favor of the long gun registry, uh, somebody who is in favor of a carbon tax. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that these are issues that shouldn't be debated amongst conservatives or other portions of, of Canadian society. I'm just saying that in the people that are speaking negatively about him, they're saying that, hey, we ran on a platform in 2019 that said that a carbon tax was not the way forward for Canada when it mm-hmm. came to fighting climate change. Although yeah. we all agree that fighting climate change is important, mm-hmm. this was not the particular way. Um, where we believe that hunters and gun owners were not the enemy, that criminals and, and gang members were, you know, people that we had to target, but, you know, trying to put more legislation on um, or regulations and red tape on people that, uh, you know, legally own guns and firearms um, is not the best way to target criminals because we all know that criminals at the end of the day are not going to start following the law just like that. Mm-hmm. So it, I, I think for a lot of conservatives are frustrated that somebody who has more of ideal when it comes to ideology, a closer ties to the liberal party of Canada um, than the really? conservative party Okay, is even though I know for a fact that Jean Charest is no fan of Justin Trudeau, but he's not a fan because of of inconsistencies in policy. He looks at Trudeau as a weak leader. Mm-hmm. Jean Charest looks at Trudeau as a weak leader, as somebody who um, is a pushover when it comes to trade, um, when it comes to international trade deals, is not somebody who really stands up for Canada, is more likely to cave than not. Um, so I think Charest says, I could do a better job than this guy. I think a lot of conservatives are going to be asking themselves the question, why is this guy running for the conservative party leadership and not the liberal party of Canada leadership? Yeah. And, and that has been, there, there's, there's nobody in caucus that I've heard of um, outside of Quebec mm-hmm. that has said to me in Western Canada, Ontario, in between in BC. Oh, we're so excited that Jean Charest is joining the race. It's interesting that you say that and that you specify outside of Quebec, because what I'm hearing from Quebec mm-hmm. is, people are over the moon right i mean jean charret coming back into politics it's like the best news are these people card carrying members of the conservative party this is this is what i'm getting at there are people waiting for that confirmation that he's running and that same day they're signing a card i've spoken to a lot of people that are um that are organizing that are trying to make phone calls Mm -hmm. get the team in place and all that uh this past week it's been silence because of everything out in the media uh, about, you know, that whole um, uh, well, allegations of corruption exactly. and, and an ongoing well, well, investigation. The investigation. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of people that got excited when his name, you know, this is, this is what's funny. I was at the event. Uh, it was, it was the, um, it was your boss that organized it. Uh, Carolyn Monroe was yes. here. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine had a table. He had an empty seat. He goes, you want to come? I'm like, sure. No, why not? You know, I have nothing else better to do. So I went. <laughs> it was a great event. It, I it, heard it was fantastic. It, it was good. It was good. Uh, I felt out of place, obviously, but uh, no. you know, regardless, uh, there was a lot of friends, you know, everybody, you know, the, what I was interested in more than anything was, you know, the, the little whispers, you know, in the mm-hmm. corners, what are people mm-hmm. talking about? You know, there's a leadership campaign coming. Where are people situated? What are they doing? How are they organizing? So I met a lot of friends in the conservative party, some senators, some former MPs and all that stuff. Jean Charest's name wasn't even mentioned. Yeah. It was kept so, you know, secretly. And then it was the day right after that. It, it was funny because it was just 
weird. I, I just went to an event where there was, it was just flooded with conservatives. Right. I wake up in the morning and Jean Charest's name is in the news. I was like, what? But I was just there. Nobody even mentioned like it was really kept um, well under undercover. But people got very, I got excited. Mm-hmm. I can tell you, I, I'm like, oh, my God. I was excited too. Forget about, yeah. you know, the whole liberal conservative. Forget about that. Just the fact that this giant of a politician is coming back in the game. It got me excited because I haven't seen that kind of excitement in a fairly long time where right. you have like a real leader just, and I've seen the guy campaign. I know exactly how things work. It's next level, right? Yeah. And the other thing that uh, that I'm hearing a lot on the ground, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of provincial liberals that are willing to jump boat because of Sharae. They don't care about party. They don't care about colors. They're like, we're going to follow him because we love him. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of key organizers. Yeah. But I, I think that that's a huge problem for political parties and, and for political convictions when you're willing to just jump for the sake of a person. Political parties have to go, and, and, and Stephen Harper really tried to push this into the conservative, the modern conservative party by saying that political parties are need continuity. Mm-hmm. Leaders do not offer that. And leaders should ensure that political parties stay attractive to Canadians, mm-hmm. but that the leaders are not necessarily the reason. It's the ideas. For sure, it's and the, the foundation. And, and the, and, and, but that, that should be the bedrock of of why you join a political party and and why you're motivated to campaign for a political party. You know, when I to be very frank with you, I don't know one current member of the PLQ caucus here in Quebec that has conservative values apart from maybe Carlos Letal um to a certain degree in terms of 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 you know economics and whatnot. But I I would not see anybody jumping because they were, I I don't I would I would want to ask the, the question: Are would you jump if it wasn't Jean Charest? And and I and I'm sure they would say no. Yeah. And I, and I mean and I think that's really disappointing because I think that you need to be engaged more so than just the leader. But you know what? I'd love to have a lot of these people if they had conservative values, mm-hmm. if they believed in in fiscal responsibility. Yeah, I just found and, that amazing that that conversation was being had. Right? It was like, what? He's coming. We're doing it. I don't care. It's Jean Charest. There was yeah. just this level of excitement that I haven't seen. Right? And then, but the question is, are they going to then join the when Charest? Let's say he wins it, he comes in for a, a, a term or two of, as uh, as as prime minister. Well, then the conservative party is going to have a problem are because they, once he leaves, are they going to remain? No, but are the, would those people would would those people remain? I don't would think they, so. Would, I mean, and, no, no, and, exactly. and then, then you talk about the continuity of, of a political party. Mm-hmm. Continuity is not when, when the leader goes and everybody leaves. Continuity is meaning that people stay when the leader goes. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I'm just telling you what I'm hearing on the ground. Um, the other thing that is really interesting for me is that there is a lot of people, maybe not a lot, but quite a few uh, staffers in Justin Trudeau's cabinet in his minister's cabinets mm-hmm. and even in his MPs' offices, writing offices, et cetera, that went to the federal uh, Liberal Party from the PLQ, from the provincial of course. Liberals. And all of this crowd came into politics under Jean Charest. Yeah. Um, and I'm hearing a lot of people 
that are starting to feel well, maybe not this oh, week there. Very awkward. But when his name came out, I can tell you that there's a lot of like there's a shitload of people working right now. Where does your loyalty lie? You know what I mean? Yeah. Working right now for liberal members. Uh, members I, of the I would parliament. see a lot of them wanting to work under Jean Charest, even under the Conservative Party, then stay on with Justin Trudeau. Because the, 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 the lack of leadership under Justin Trudeau is so evident. And the lack of of anything, of any substance whatsoever, where if you could get Jean Charest, just like I think a Tom Mulcair to a certain extent, although Tom Mulcair is certainly less, they could fit into almost any federalist political party. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom Mulcair, for example. I don't see Tom Mulcair, man. A bit Tom Mulcair, yeah. when he left the PLQ yeah. here in Quebec, Tom Mulcair was offered positions and chances to run for the Conservatives, for the Liberals, and for the NDP. And he ultimately went with the NDP. Why? No one knows, but people say obviously he had leadership aspirations, and he saw himself being able to, to I, get into that. I, but, I, got, but, I got very close with his staffer mm-hmm. um, in, uh, in Outremont, and he told me that... Is it uh, Graham? Uh, yeah, Graham. Yeah. Uh, super guy. He's a great guy. Uh, and he told me that, you know, Tom O'Care was always uh, an NDP supporter. Mm-hmm. The problem that it was who, that. Who, who quoted Margaret Thatcher <laughs> in the National Assembly? <laughs> yeah. what, what other NDP supporters have I seen doing that? Well, look, I want to meet that, them. That's where the political stuff comes in. But there wasn't the equivalent provincially. Right. And he said, had had there been an equivalent provincially, maybe Tom O'Care would never have gone with a PLQ. Right, the re- the same reason that Jean Charest came to the PLQ because there wasn't a you know an equivalent of the of a conservative of a conservative party, party at the uh, time, right? Yeah, um, sure, I I could buy that to a certain degree, but I still see them being very uh, there there's it's very fluid in terms of where they could find their their allegiance matters less, but their allegiance to Canada matters more. Mm-hmm. Um, so their allegiance to a political party is really not important at that point. Um. I think French language is going to be a really important thing. And I bring that up because it's as even though I'm an Anglophone, I'm somebody who when I was young, I struggled to learn French. Okay. And and it was really tough for me. And the only time that I was able to really get a certain degree of, I would even say mastery, but definitely like, you know, professional working French was working inside of the government of Quebec. Yeah. And and working on a political campaign for Jeff Kelly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being able to work in that atmosphere where, you know, you're in Quebec City and nobody speaks English. Yeah. You're forced to to speak French twenty four seven, yeah, and that's a great thing. But right now, in terms of the candidates that are running, um, you know, we've got. A, I, I spoke to you before about the deficiency that Peter has. Um, you know that that you know you didn't know about, but I'm I didn't sure. Know. But yeah. I'm sure that's that's the case for a lot of people that they, they don't realize this. But I think it's a really big problem that he can work on. Mm-hmm. But again, you don't just start learning French during a leadership campaign. You learn way before. Who are the candidates that do speak French? And Pierre Poilievre, I think, speaks Pierre, French. Does Arnaud Toul speak French? That is the prime example of I'm able to read off a piece of paper, ah, okay. French words, yeah. and I am now considered bilingual. Pierre, Pierre. now here's a story about Pierre. And this is a really good story. Pierre. What about, oh, sorry, what about Ron Ambrose? It's better, it's so, so, better right? than Peter's, yeah. but it's not as good as Pierre's. Yeah. But Pierre's French and... I mean, it's not perfect, but it's no. it's, it's good. No, it, it's, it's it's look. His French is better than oh, Yves Francois Blanchet, uh, Blanchet's English. English. Oh, by far. Yeah. But the thing is, Pierre can construct uh, a, a reply to an attack 
Uh, honestly, like honestly, I didn't find him bad because he did a tour in Quebec. He, yeah. he did Mario Dumont. I honestly didn't find him he did bad. Mario Dumont, he did RDI. He yeah. did, um, I didn't do 98.5. 98.5 wouldn't take him because they said, you haven't declared yourself. And they actually made a whole thing about this on the, um, with... Um, was it with Paul Arcan? No, with... Yeah, with Arcan. Arcan. And, they, and Arcan had... Yeah, a, that guy doesn't mess around. Yeah, but Arcan was, guy pit, like, Arcan was pissed on, on the radio. He was saying, he did a whole segment on going back and forth with Pierre and his team. And it was basically like, you know, this guy is being like, I'm not, to, he says, you either come on my show and declare your candidacy on my show, or you don't come on at all. But you or know you what? come back on when you do declare and he wouldn't take him on. But I'm sorry, but, but he's right. Of course. Yeah. I know. But yeah. every, every campaign tries to do their best to yeah, yeah. put their guy out there and whatnot. But, but here's the thing, Pierre, French last name, but he's adopted. Oh, but yeah, his father, yeah, okay. but his father, Don Poliev is a, a Franco-Saskatchewan, mm -hmm. now living in Alberta. Uh, Pierre was raised um, in Alberta, in Calgary, and moved to do his, uh, moved after finishing his, his, his bachelor's at the University of Calgary over to Ottawa to work for Stockwell Day. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, for, I think he worked also for Jason Kenney um, before running in a nomination race um, in, it was in uh, Nepean Carlton at the time, where the Minister of Defense of uh, the Liberal Party at the time was, you know, this really, you know, well-regarded candidates, uh, candidate minister, uh, MP, and had this 25-year-old, you know, kid come out of nowhere and whoop him in, in the next election. And, and that was just, that was the start of Pierre Polyev's uh, elected career at 25 years old. Now people will say, well, this is very much like Andrew Shear. Andrew Shear was also elected at yeah, 25 very yeah. and very young, but Pierre is the political operator strategist, um, Cartesian. I hear that a with, lot that with when a, it comes down to campaigning, the guy oh, is a machine. Oh my, he knocked on every single door and is riding three times in the last election. Three times. Wow. His, he would go out with volunteers, the numbers of 50, 75, 100 volunteers in one afternoon. Yeah. Machine, machine, machine. And this guy does not stop working, does yeah. not stop knocking on doors. But, you know, he's somebody who, again, coming back to the French language, grew up with the French language as part of his life. His father instilled on in him that it was important to learn French. Even though you're in Alberta, not a lot of people speak French. It's important that you have, you know, these are my roots that I'm giving to you as my, as my son. Mm -hmm. And and when he went to Ottawa, he always insisted that francophones speak to him in French and not in English mm -hmm. because it was help him practice and it was important that he respects them. And that's something for me as an Anglo, as a minority in Quebec, I'm like, wow, that's really cool. Yeah. And that's something that I respect from that perspective. So 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 what else is what else? Uh, have you been hearing? I mean, mm -hmm. is there any other names that are going to be coming out? Is well, there... I think the, the big question is Rana, because yeah. because Rana, people have been trying in every single campaign that is either, you know, be it the O'Toole campaign, the Podiev campaign, the McKay campaign. I don't know which one, but somebody, maybe a bunch of them, have been trying to smoke her out. They've been trying to smoke her out in the media. They've been trying to get her to declare yes or no. And Again, she is taking her time because she can afford to take her time. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have to to announce anything right now. And her team knows that. But it's also the smartest strategy, it right? Is. Let's wait to see You're, how things are going to evolve. And yeah. yeah, yeah, like a week before the deadline, I can make an announcement. Mm, not a week. Too late? Uh, I think in the, in the next week, two weeks, if she doesn't do anything by then, it's it's pretty fair to say that she's out. But she'll make a public announcement. 
I know that much. Mm-hmm. Um, she's not going to keep people waiting in, in the in the in the midst kind of thing. But you know, she still needs to get her money raised. She still needs to get those signatures, which she'll she'll have no problem doing yeah. whatsoever. She'll be the quickest of anybody. Yeah. But you know, that's where we are right now. Rana is the one to watch because um, the moment she says I'm in, she wins. You think? Yeah. It's not even a question. Um, her the respect that she has from the progress, the red Tories, the progressive conservatives, the reform. What about um, our East Ontario, Quebec? Oh, uh, people again, matriarch of the party. Uh, she is the only thing that will hurt her a little bit in Quebec is that her French is not as good as Pierre's. Mm-hmm. Um, that her French is not as good as Jean Charest's, but I mean, she obviously makes up in terms of having you know reform Look, credentials, Jean- uh, part, more more right wing credentials than Jean Charest. But I mean, but Jean Charest has a lot of hurdles, man, because they're they're no. you don't think Insur- so? No, absolutely insurpassable. You can't get over those hurdles. I this is no. What- I'm saying that he has hurdles. You agree that he has hurdles or not? I mean, I'm saying there's an he, investigation he, pending, so that yes. would pretty much block him from even running, right? The, the, the one of the first questions they ask you in the conservative leadership um, leadership contest uh, questionnaire for uh, an aspiring candidate: uh, Do you have any current investigations in a criminal matter mm-hmm. upon you? Yeah. How does he answer this? No, but he can't. But see, th- this is what frustrates me, man, because this is an investigation that has been ongoing for. Seven years, eight yes. years. I think that had they found something, it would have been out already, right? Especially the fact, given the fact that he's he was a you know provincial premier. I mean, you can't just keep that information. It frustrates me that this guy's name has been dragged in the mud. Yeah, and at some point, I mean, look, you either have something or you don't. Put an end. His lawyer came out this week and said, "Listen, put an end to it. Either, nice. either, either." Lay down your accusations or put an end to it. I mean, well, as my boss used to say, or once said, on accuse, on excuse, mm-hmm. we accuse or we excuse them. And I mean, I and I think it's it's important to to give him uh, that liberty and that freedom there. But at the same time, you know, there there is something in the water. There is something in the water when it comes to the PLQ. And I'm not saying it's Jean Charest. I'm not yeah. saying it there, but there is definitely. You know, the POQ has gone through um, dark times and has gone through an image crisis and an image crisis because of a a fundraising um, pressure that was put on its members and uh, on its members, on on its on its uh, caucus to to an extent that that hurt them more, that damaged them morally. And I and I and and I I, I was there at that time. Right. And. For some reason, it was perceived as such a negative thing to have had targets established uh, for your members of, uh, you know, the, the, the members of the National Assembly mm-hmm. and even the, the, the cabinet ministers to raise money. Back then, though, you have to understand something that the parties were funded differently than they are today, of right? Course. So if you didn't raise And the mo- limits were different, too. I mean, course. you can give more it money as an individual. Th- it, was, it was up to $3,000. Whereas today, it's 100 bucks a year. It's 100 bucks max, but they're funded publicly right depending on the number of seats so the formula has changed so when you put things in context if you don't raise money the party suffers right and it's all about you know and you know this the the minute you win an election you're thinking about the next election and the first thing that comes into mind for the next election is money you can't do anything without money you got to be able to to bring funds into the party so i never had a problem with having targets and we had we we were told look you try to raise 50 grand i remember we did it, we, but yeah. there were people that wouldn't do it. 
I can, I'm not going to name names here, but there were, and even cabinet ministers. There were, there were people that wouldn't do it even under the last, under the Cuillard government who were like, forget you know, about that. For, no, know. but I'm just saying, even for them, like, I mean, they wouldn't raise it. They would just use what was in the bank. Exactly. So back in the day, I mean, there were cabinet ministers that couldn't raise the money. So, but again, and they weren't cabinet ministers anymore. No, no, they, they stayed. <laughs> they, they, they remained. Oh, cabinet. No, but mean. the thing is that, the counterpart was that because, you know, there was much more money that could be collected, mm. everything kind of balanced out, right? But, yeah, everybody was motivated. I mean, that was the thing. I mean, we we need gas for the next election. Let's go raise money. And at the same time, it, it, it helped us with our membership. Like, things were rolling, man. Right. You know what I mean? Now, whatever he's being accused of, or well, he's, there's no accusations, there's no allegations, there's nothing. There's just, you know, I don't know, whatever there is. There, he's being investigated. Could he have known? Could he not have known? I don't know, right? I, and we're not going to debate this, no. but it, it it's it's probably his biggest hurdle. He, he yeah. But assuming, but, how, but from an image perspective, from an optics perspective, yeah. But you know what? That's what I was going to get to. If there's anyone that could defend himself, say tomorrow, hypothetically, the case is dropped. Yeah. You know, the road is wide open for him to 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 put in his candidature. There is no better person to defend himself and to say, listen, but you know. Find the lines than Joshua, and 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 I, I agree that he would be able to give a solid defense yeah. of his character, yeah. who he is. But I think we then come to the second hurdle, um, which even with him being able to defend himself, he would not be able to surpass. Um, and that's what it comes to his ideology and what he believes in as a Canadian. Um, his vision forward for the Conservative Party being so out of line with the vision that members have. Uh, for the Conservative Party, and that they're not willing to compromise on, if if he was able to find a compromise himself with what the vast majority of the members think in terms of the long gun registry, in terms of um, finding an equitable but um, reasonable solution to fighting climate change that did not include a carbon tax, yeah. or at least the idea of a of a, of a carbon tax, as we see, he's it. the one that implemented it, right, in Quebec, and you know, a carbon exchange, for example, would y'all, then I think that if that was no longer a political those, issue, but, then he'd have a those, viable chance. But those are also issues that dropped the party during this election, gay rights, abortion rights, climate the, change, climate change. And you have a guy that's been supporting these things since the eighties. You understand? So, I mean, I don't know. I mean, where does he stand, you know, in terms of the weight, I understand in terms of the conservative values, but at the same time, when you're thinking, look, we want to win. Mm-hmm. Where did we fail? Who can best represent those issues? Totally. I don't think there's a better candidate. Plus the fact that, one, he's still relatively young, man. I mean, in his early 60s, considering the fact that you have, what, over 30 years of political experience and you're 60, I mean, it, you know, it goes a long way, right? No, you're the, you're the gold standard of, of campaigner. Yeah. But, I mean, the question is, are you the gold standard of what conservatives want? Yeah. And I think for them, they look at they look at him as an outsider. They don't look at there. You're like you're not one of us. And and Peter, but Peter's also facing that problem too, because Peter has been outside now of the polit- of the Conservative Party institution mm-hmm. since uh, 2015, and because of that, he's lost um, that institutional support within the party, that institutional uh, understanding of who Peter McKay is, what kind of a conservative is he? Yeah, you know. He, he doesn't have that same sort of ability to connect with the yeah, party. But, yeah, but Michael, that takes a couple of days for the communications team to get all the messages out, who he was, what he's done, get, you know, all that image but, polished but, but up. Here, here's the thing. A lot of people, yes, are, are willing to 
to drop their lives and and go and support certain candidates. But the question is, are a lot of them willing to drop their lives and support Peter McKay? I would say it's easier for the people that are inside of the conservative establishment that have those jobs right now that work inside of the party that are able to leave like to go and support Peter from in there because they already know what they're doing. But if you're going to be leaving you know, your law career, for example, or if you're working as a consultant, or if you're working yeah. in a no, 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 uh, so many different other levels of, of a profession, you know, are you going to drop everything and go support a guy who's been five years outside of the, the conservative establishments, whereas, you know, you can find people in that conservative establishment that will go and support a Pierre Polyev right then and there, because he is classic Stephen Harper conservative values. Yeah, he but, is the reform candidate. But, but is that is that what the members want, though? Yeah, I think more often than not, yes. I would say... Where was he positioned on the gay rights and the abortion rights? Pierre, when he... Um, he did his tour in Quebec last week. He had a. Uh, he me- I, I didn't read up, but I know that he mentioned he brought that up. Yes, there. Yeah, yeah. And, and he said that gay marriage is a, is a huge success, and he said that he would be somebody who would champion the issue of, of LGBTQ rights, and that um, it's a very important issue for him, and that you know he's got members of his family that are that are gay, and on, and on members of Parliament uh, proposing legislation. He so that was a very important thing. He came out and he did speak about that. And he said that under his leadership, he would whip his caucus to never allow for something like that to be voted by conservative members. Now, here's the big problem, though. But don't you feel, Michael, that these things have been talked about, man? Like, it's over. We shouldn't be even discussing these things. But we have to discuss it now because it was spoken about in the last campaign so much. And I think it's important for conservative, whoever the next leader is going to be, to be able to, to, to recognize that, hey, we we had this you know discussion that was not done correctly during the campaign or was not communicated effectively to the to to Canadians um this is how i would go about it and this is what i would change and you know he recognizes with and here's the cool thing too i mentioned to you before that john baird uh did this report for andrew shear and for the next leader Pierre has an unfair advantage because the guy who happens to be chairing his campaign right now is John John Baird. Baird. So, you know, I wonder if John is using some of the the institutional knowledge that he's gained and that I wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. You know, by the way, the the best political field operator for the conservative party, um, I think every conservative will agree on, is Jenny Byrne. And Jenny Byrne is now working as a senior strategist. Uh, I don't know her. To, Jenny Byrne was deputy chief of staff to Stephen Harper. She okay. was uh, Stephen Harper's campaign manager for some of the um, elections that he had in the 2000s. Uh, she She's looked upon as, as the best field operator, the best ground game person the conservatives have. She's working for Pierre now, or at least says that if Pierre runs, she'll be with him. The Jerry Butts of... Uh... <laughs> you know, but okay. But Jerry Butts... That position, there has never been a position like that inside of of, of PMO before. There were not not principal secretary, but Jerry Butts was almost like Justin Trudeau's twin brother. Yeah. yeah. Um, Jenny's similar in that respect because Pierre and Jenny dated for twelve years. Oh wow! Okay. So, and she's on his campaign now. If he runs, okay, he's running. <laughs> look, man, the, 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 obviously he's running look but there's I mean, no yes, doubt yeah. man come on who who tours quebec just for fun and let's do a media oh, you know, tour I, i'd you love know to what tour mean? quebec just for fun yeah yeah, I, yeah. And, <laughs> and go do Dumont and do all the rd with me too we'll yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah. do everybody yeah let, let's just take a drive to ontario and tour the media uh, a few organizations a few key leaders right 
Yeah, you, and I, sure. you and I can do Eric Zoom tomorrow. Yeah, no, no, he's he's gonna he's gonna run for sure. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt no. about that. Um, but for me, see that that's what it was. Uh, when I'm looking at this thing, I'm thinking, what sank the ship? And are people like mentally like aware of these things? And that's in what terms the, of what sunk the Andrews ship exactly. In the, and no, and is I there, mean, but this was the whole this was the whole premise of of John's report. I mean, these are. It's it's gay marriage, abortion, climate change. Here are the three things. Yeah, but those are also the three things that split the West with the East. Yes, but it's it's a question about finding a compromise in the party that's palpable to Canadians yeah. and being able to communicate that in an effective manner that no one thinks that we're going to renege on our promise and and screw people over because that's what that's what people thought Andrew would do and and rightfully so because Andrew could not he say wasn't clear on his message. that I will highlight and support and stand with uh <coughs> LGBTQ Canadians. Uh he did not say And for God's sakes man can you just go march during pride like jeez which on, Pierre like, which Pierre has said he on. will which I'm sure when Peter announces that Peter will say he obviously You will. have no choice the, the, man. The, the, the next conservative leader recognizes that and knows that for sure on on the cool thing about Pierre and Peter um both have um both of them have spouses that are born outside of Canada Peter's wife is Iranian born. Okay. Um, and uh is speaks some French, uh, as I mentioned to you before. And also Pierre's wife is born in Venezuela. Okay. Uh immigrated to Canada, raised in Montreal East. Her her second language after uh Spanish is French. It's French, obviously. And learned uh English when she started working uh, in Ottawa, and now she works uh on the hill for one of Pierre's colleagues. Oh, she's still uh, working. Okay. Yeah. So uh, which, know, which I just think, you know, in terms of having like out of the non-Canadian born spouses, I think it's a pretty cool thing. Like, hey, you know what? Our our candidates are getting for leadership are getting younger. Uh, their families are more diverse. And I think that's, you know, it's a wake up call for, for yeah. Canada and for our party. Look, I think that's also a factor to consider, even though it's it's based primarily on image. Mm hmm. You're going up against Justin Trudeau, right? Whether you like him or not, the guy's one of the most popular politicians in the world. Uh, you know, he's this good-looking guy, uh, very popular, very populist. I mean, I don't know if you've seen him in uh, if you've seen any of his. No, rallies. I've ignored him over the past four years. Yeah. You should you should be at an event where this like people. It's like I've a been to his events. Yeah, it's like rock star status, as a, as right? With, with the with the cap over my face, the sunglasses, <laughs> you know, the the duffel coat, that, that Halloween thing. costume with yeah. the glasses and the nose and the mustache no. there that uh, that comes I, in. I, but, I, but then I he matches tries to match me in blackface and this works for <laughs> so in any case. But yeah, no, but it, it's amazing still to see it's rock star status. I mean. My parents live in Park Extension. That's the riding that the, the, that I worked in, obviously, yeah. and that's the riding that he represents federally. So we had that connection, mm -hmm. obviously, with his office. There's the close ties with him personally and with his staff. And there's the Greek Independence Day parade that goes through Park X on Jean Talon. He's always at that. He, he always yeah. does it, obviously. Yeah. It's insanity. Mm -hmm. It is insanity. People go nuts. It's crazy, man. So at some point, you have to kind of match... You know, the, 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 you know, the conservative party, yeah, you're going to have to focus on, you know, whatever issues that you have to focus on, but you have to deal with images. Who's well. our celebrity is what See, is the question we have to be asking as the, Look, as soon as the elections were done, yeah, my first, the first name that popped in my mind was Peter McKay. It was the first name. Yeah. Tall, handsome guy, uh, good looking, has experience much more than Justin Trudeau, mm -hmm. uh, you know, 
so I thought, look, this guy would be perfect, right? Yeah. I didn't know that he didn't speak French, though. But that's, you know, let's leave yeah. that aside for a second. Um, Which he can fix. He can fix. Okay. Um, so that was the first thing. Never did I think of Jean Charest because in my mind, it was like, look, he's done. There's no way he's going back. He's done. He's but done. then you realize he's actually pretty young for a politician. Yeah. You know, well, he's compared to Justin Trudeau, well, he's not I mean, young. a politician, like, you know, going back a few years ago. I mean, but like, yeah, I mean, I... His, he's still in his prime. I no, would but say. just to go to touch on what you're saying, that the candidates are becoming more and more, you know, like more. They and are more getting young, the expectation right? that they're going to be younger. I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing. That, but then again, you have to face the fact of the experience factor. Mm-hmm. The problem that Justin is having is not that he's a bad guy necessarily. It's the lack of experience he has as a parliamentarian. I mean, when you think of a guy that was in, you know, he's lost in the back benches of opposition like right. in some shadow you couldn't even see him on tv to the front desk leading the party in such a short time but like even the national post had a great expose on uh julie payette and our governor general yeah. and and about um the decision and the process that went into choosing her because stephen harper had set up like an advisory committee on on vice regal appointments mm-hmm. when he was in power and basically saying instead of the prime minister just saying i want this person to be governor general, you actually had a, a panel, a committee of, of eminent Canadians deciding on saying like, hey, these are who we suggest would be good people to reach out to and, you know, probe and see if they're interested. Um, when Justin Trudeau came in and David Johnson's term was at the end, it was extended by two years. So he did seven years in total. But eventually people were told like, you know, you have to reach out to this committee that we have of eminent Canadians and 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 people that are, are experts in, in 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 royal affairs in, in Canada. Um, Trudeau said no. And Trudeau said, I don't want to touch this with a 15-foot pole. I don't want to no, no reason whatsoever to do this. I, I know exactly who I want. And the Liberal Research Bureau in Ottawa had received uh Julie Payette's application for or her CV for an appointment, perhaps a, an ambassadorship somewhere in Europe. Or elsewhere uh, around the world, and said, "Actually, you you fit the criteria for a lot of what we want in the governor general." However, what they were missing was um, what they failed to do. The political is a political staff problem. They failed to describe to her what the job of governor general was, and that it's you. You're not a politician. That you are you 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 do as you're told. You are a ceremonial figurehead who has. No, you have as much authority as uh, you know the 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 this glass of water here. You don't have any authority whatsoever. The prime minister dictates for you what to do. You sign the bills that are adopted in the House of Commons and passed by the Te- Senate. Technically, and technically, she could refuse. Technically, which which would be a constitutional of crisis of in the making. But my my point being is that she. Uh, somebody who ultimately her disaster because constitutionally she is the head of. Uh, sure, but but there the head of state. There, there, it's been decades since we've had a problem for sure uh, yeah. of that nature. My point being is that Justin Trude- Justin Trudeau was ultimately responsible for Julie uh, Julie Payette's um, uh, you know undoing, as we've seen over the past year. Because the she had the t- a hard time. Eh, that first it was, year she had a, she had a failure to start yeah. or a failure to launch. Rather, I mean, she was not able to really take on the role. And we saw that she um, that she was appointed for her celebrity status more than she was for her ability to look honorific and look as a symbol as a symbol of Canada and have that appeal there from a regal pr- perspective. She we wanted the celebrity, mm-hmm. and you know, 
Ottawa, Ottawa is good for that. Ottawa is good. I mean, politics is, uh, it's Hollywood for ugly people, you know? But look, to get back to what we're saying. It's, that's, that's the failure of, of him not taking decisions into account is my point. Look, I, I think that in the next campaign, one thing that I appreciate is that there'll be much less bashing and it'll be a lot more... F- it'll be a lot more focused on ideas and exchange. I think personally, right. Um, to be honest with you, look, cause you know, you know, during the last campaign we were doing, I was, I was running the car ride the show. So I was on the conservative website quite a bit, you know, to, to you know, uh, I'm so sorry. It, it was such a bad website, man. That's why I like, said, I'm so I, sorry. I was looking for, you know, platform updates, just wanted to know, you know, what to exchange with the different candidates that were, was coming on the show. It was horrible, man. Like you scroll down and it was Justin Trudeau, this Justin Trudeau, that Justin Trudeau, this, it was everything anti-Trudeau. And then all the way at the bottom, our platform, our candidates are, I was like, what? We, what we had what? a platform. We had, we had conservative messaging. No, 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 there was no, something. No, I'm sure, I mean, but for sure there I'm was. Just saying but I mean, that it, it was just so anti-Trudeau everywhere. Yeah. It's like, come on guys. But that was our mentality during the campaign. I mean, so I think that it's going to shift from that. You know what I mean? And I think that's perhaps what the conservative party should look for. Um, should look into um for the next candidate forget about attacking the party let's just focus on who we are what we want to put out there focus on building canada yeah and focus on 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 focusing on on people and on you know middle class families and and a lot of what trudeau has been focusing on Mm -hmm. and and hey listen we've realized now that wins elections now maybe it's not a a second majority but it definitely is Mm -hmm. a, a sizable minority and you know we have to be able to learn from our enemies and and i think you know, being able to reflect and say, hey, you know what? They're doing something right is important. And I think we can. Uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about endorsements and alliances. People are, you know, things are starting to move, right, mm-hmm. already. Um, I heard early on Vince Guzzo and Peter McKay had said that would Sharae run, they would support him. Now Peter McKay seems, to, well, he's officially in the race. So I don't know what, you know, how that's going to shape up. I don't know if regardless of his... Uh, you know, launching, uh, if he's going to abandon ship and just throw his support behind Sheree, I don't right. know. Good. So I don't think he's the ideal candidate to begin with, but you know, that's what he said. He was going to support Sheree. Um, even, uh, Brian Mulroney said that he would support Sheree, yeah. uh, were he to run, which he still will. I, I, why wouldn't he? I mean, you know, Jean Charest is like his protege, right? Yeah, I mean, he's not going to, he would never support Peter McKay over Jean Charest. He would support Peter McKay if Jean Charest Ma- was running. Yeah. But- yeah. Because Peter McKay is Charest's protege, kind of. I mean, yeah. it's like kind of like there, there's a there's a, a nice little uh, line of succession yeah. right there. Harper, the big news last week, he came out of the woodwork, man. He's like, listen, I'm abandoning whatever position he had in the party, and I'm campaigning actively yeah. against Jean Charest. To someone like me, it comes as no surprise. I mean, those right. two butted heads so much when you know one was Premier of Quebec and then was Prime Minister. Um, but I mean, I think the biggest insult that occurred during that sort of headbutting uh, was when must have been the transfer of equalization payments. Yeah, uh, where he added to the tax. Yeah, and and it was just it pissed <laughs> off everybody in but, Ottawa. Yeah, but let me tell you something, man. Because here in Quebec, traditionally, if you're against Ottawa, you win support. Yeah, it, it, that's just how it is. It's the political calculation. That's what it is. Yeah. It's the formula for winning Quebec. I mean, Legault, Legault came out against Justin Trudeau. He won. 
I'm not saying that was the factor, yeah. right? But the minute that you contest and that you demand certain things and you go against current um, with whatever's happening in Ottawa, it somehow it's a garners win. It's support. It's a win-win, you know? for sure. But just going back to like, you know, when it comes to McKay or Sheree, I think, you know, if I was a betting man, I think that they both might end up running against each other. And in that case there, Mulrooney will throw his support behind Charette. Do you think he still has influence in the party? No. Bro Mulrooney? No. Really? I don't. I think that he had, I think that it's been a rude awakening for Jean Charette to realize that Brian Mulrooney's network is mostly dead. Wow. Um, that they. This is a surprise to me. I thought that he was still, you know, rooted well into the party. No, Brian Mulroney is doing more funerals than anything else he's doing. <laughs> um, and it's, but it's, it's terrible, but it's true. It's true. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's, but I think that was the rude awakening for Jean Chouet. It's like, oh, great. I'm having Brian Mulroney support. Hey, that would have been great 20 years ago. Um, today, what is that? It gives me nothing. Uh, wow. So, okay. but I think we, we could do very well find ourselves in a, in a, a Chouet versus McKay scenario in terms of the, the red Tory side of the, the leadership contest. And, we could also find ourselves in a in a Poitier versus Ambrose, Ambrose side of the leadership, where I I would think that Pierre, strategically being the Cartesian that he is, um, would realize that he would not be able to win against Rana, but would probably endorse her mm-hmm. um, and to position an himself. Uh, yeah, yeah, as a deputy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and he's a smart guy, and he has a future and he's still very young, eh? very young. How old is he now? He's 40. in his third. Oh, he's 40. 40. Okay, yeah, yeah. but I mean, again. You know, he's he spent the you know career politician, and he owns that. He says, "Hey, at least I have experience. I know what the job is." Yeah, Guzzo, Guzzo can bribe everybody with all the tickets to his movie theaters he wants, but I, I don't see it launching. I don't see it happening. I don't think he needs this right now. I think he wants the guy. I don't wants, think he needs it ever. No, but I mean, like he's fun. He's fun to have around because um, he took he took center stage right right uh, during last our campaign, campaign yeah he was our, our our quebec economic advisor that was the official title that we gave him really and and we were we'll take did he do a good job did he did he, did he deliver on that uh, he didn't advise me once but i mean <laughs> uh, i'm sure he advised somebody somewhere and i think he put on a good show when he was asked to put on a good show and when we wanted him for media interviews he did those media interviews when he had to show up at a at a general convention with members hundreds of members in the room he showed up and he gave a, uh, you know, a, a, a crowd, mega crowd reaction. You know, everybody was on their feet, clapping and screaming, and they, they thought he was fantastic. He's I mean, popular you now. Wanted, he's on a TV uh, show there. Yeah, you, know? you have Dragon's Den yeah. and, and, and whatnot. But, you know, people look back to Kevin O'Leary. And Kevin O'Leary running yeah. in 2017, and they say, "Is yeah, no. We, we've been there, done that. We're not going to go put our... our, our support behind somebody who has the same credentials as somebody like Kevin. Um, albeit that Vince is, is fluently bilingual is, and I think offers a lot more than Kevin. We're not going to put our support behind him just to drop out a few weeks before the, the election, which was yeah. the case for Kevin in 2017. Yeah. When he dropped it endorsed yeah. Max and Max still didn't win. Yeah. How, um, What's the message on the ground for Quebec? Because I mentioned to you that I was at that uh, conference there with Caroline Mount Rooney and the f- the the few uh, conservatives that I spoke to. You need more wine. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the the few conservatives that I spoke to mentioned how uh, important it was or it is to create kind of this unit, uh, kind of this block from Quebec. Uh, and to push the candidate coming out of Quebec, or at least to so have this to have strong like a solidarity, support, right? Yeah. Uh, amongst Quebecers. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Is that happening? Are no. they mobilizing? No, no, it's not happening. It's because you you see that um, right now, I think the guy to beat, um, especially in Quebec, but maybe this is for Canada wide. I think it is Pierre. I think it is Pierre because um, speaking to members of the base, the membership in in all parts of the country, and I'm always on my phone trying to find out, okay, what are people saying in, in interior BC, downtown Vancouver, Calgary to Edmonton to, uh, you know, middle of nowhere, Manitoba, uh, on rural Ontario, obviously Quebec and the Maritimes. And people are, members are saying, wow, Pierre is, I'm so happy that he's in there. He's my first choice or like, you know, unless like Rana gets in, he's my second choice in that case there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, Pierre at this point is the, the guy to beat, but in terms of Quebec, in terms of the division there, and in terms of that, that, that notion of, well, there's you know, no we one, need there's solidarity. No one, there's no one else in Quebec other than Jean Charest. And if, no. I mean, if the investigation is still, uh, is still ongoing, then I don't see how he would I don't put his name in the race. Amongst the current, unless he's able to sign up like 10,000 members in Quebec, maybe he can. Um, over the course of the, the next few months, look, I, I, I don't know, see it I, look, I, I, because I've worked under his leadership, it wouldn't surprise me if he could do it. Um, I'm telling you, you that using PLQ membership lists, I don't know what he would use, but I'm just telling you that just the phone calls that I got and what I heard in terms of, you know, the different uh, mm-hmm. people being excited, there was a lot of enthusiasm when his name, but again, yeah, it was, uh, you know, we're going back to the argument that we're talking about before. A lot of them are associated to the PLQ. Yeah. You know, in the future, are, are they going to be the valuable members that are going to stay on board to, right. to, to assure continuity? But yeah, uh, but, but, but just in terms, of like to answer your question, just in terms of like who is, you know, co- creating motivation in Quebec. Um, Peter has some, but there's that huge French language question mark. Yeah, Pierre is really doing it because Pierre. I mean, people were were did not know how well he spoke French, mm-hmm. and people that did not know he was by that bilingual, mm-hmm. and and they're hearing it, they're like, oh my god. Yeah. They're like, this is this is crazy. Like this is like this is not what we expected. So I think that shock is what's causing a lot of motivation right now. But you know, there there's nobody people were thinking maybe Gerard Deltel. And that's why I'm saying at, at the same time. He just came he out, just yeah, came out recently, yeah. he's not running. But at, at the same time, though, I, I sort of say to myself, this is, you know, he apart from Peter, there's no and Jean Charette, there's no big player being spoken about. And that's why everybody's waiting for Rana. So, you know, and would, it, would that be a problem for, for the Quebec leadership? Because I heard a lot of people th- saying how important it was for Quebec to kind of stand out in this leadership race. Yeah, but I, I think that there are different factions of Quebec. There are different factions of, of Quebec um, conservative units and, mm-hmm. and, and cliques, let's say. And I don't think you could just look at it as a huge collective. There, there, there were, you know candidates that you know I'll, I'll give you an example of, of of one of the problems that i had during the campaign for myself that created one of those cliques within the quebec conservative mm-hmm. you know uh community um when we originally got our our posters and you've been through this too yeah. you got a, a you got a proof a draft of your of your poster or, or uh, they say this is what your posters I? are going to look like or uh, yeah. probably your campaign manager or so it door. was the pictures that i got and i had to choose or whatever yeah, yeah. so so you get it but you see i didn't see the final poster until okay. it was delivered well they showed it to us they said okay oh, this okay. is what your your poster is going to look like and you know let us know if there's anything that needs to be changed but like when they say it needs to be changed like if they screwed up the riding name if they okay. you know didn't get that that huge mole off your face or you know <laughs> but like stuff yeah. like that right yeah. you know you got a booger coming out of your nose something like yeah. that that's yeah. what they mean and um, 
Yeah, know, like the like the final proof. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're there and we're we're, you know, I'm speaking, I call up um David Torchman in, in Mount Royal. And I'm like, David, um, did you get your proof? He's like, No, I didn't get it. And I was like, Well, go check your email. You might have gotten it. And he's like, Okay, I'll put some on speaker for me. He's like, Yeah, I got it. I'm like, open it up. It's like, what's the problem you see? And it took him no less than five seconds. He says, Where's the flag? And he meant the Canadian flag. Yeah. There was a huge Quebec flag originally in the background mm-hmm. of all of our posters. We are all running in a either heavy, yeah. well, in a federal election, in heavy Allo Anglo ridings. Listen, you want to put both flags? Great. But you you don't just put but a Quebec flag. why would Quebec you put flag. a flag to begin with? Because that was their whole thing. They were, they, it, was, it was about showing, again, what did I say to you before? We're going after the block vote. Yeah. And the block, we're going after the block vote in Lac St. Louis in the West Island of Montreal. Are you mad? Are you, what, what are you smoking? Yeah. What, 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 what block vote in the West Island is going to vote? <laughs> come on. But, but this is, this is the thing for them. They were, this is what the, the mentality of, of when you have a, a party being, giving direction from Victoriaville to the campaign over in Beaconsfield. Yeah, uh, you can't. This is this is stupid. Like, I, but that was the, they were. We were freaking out, and so we got a bunch of other uh, Anglo and Allo candidates together, or or candidate, francophone candidates that were in Anglo or Allo ridings, mm-hmm. and said, "Hey, listen, we want that option to have. We we'll keep the Quebec flag. We have no problem with the Quebec flag. We want the Canadian flag there too. Yeah. It's important for us." And I don't remember your your posters. Well, in the but, end, yeah. the compromise the party made with us is that okay, we're not going to put a Canadian flag, but we're going to get rid of the Quebec flag. You have no flag, and therefore, okay, that's what it's it was. equal. Okay. But we were very, they were very scared. They were terrified of the media saying, "Look, there's no Quebec flag," and we said, "You guys are paranoid for no reason. Please concentrate on other stuff." Well, yeah, because people know that it's a federal election, man. But, it's a, but that it goes okay. to show the disconnect that you have from from these campaigns but it's interesting though because see i'm so used to running campaigns provincially where everything is just in one little bubble right yeah. and now it's like people much easier from, yeah it is of course it's much easier it's one province yeah. but then you have people from all over canada organizing for all of canada yeah but you do you see how like when i spoke to you before about quebec always in the conservative party quebec always having its own messaging its own yeah. organization on the ground yeah so we get that. That's fantastic. But it's it's organization and messaging coming out of the regions of Quebec and not downtown Montreal. Right. And there, there's no yeah. distinction. Yeah, but at the same time, you have to realize the fact that Montreal doesn't bring you any seats anyway. It's true. It's true. But if we wanted to bring seats for us in the future, we have to actively work on building that relationship with yeah. voters and, and building that relationship with the electorate. And, you know, we, we need to start doing that now so that maybe not when I run you know, how many elections from now, but when my successor runs, how many elections from now, they actually have a chance. Yeah. And that's in terms of the, the conservative legacy and in terms of putting aside whatever party does, obviously I would be more happy if it's a conservative, but ensuring that it's somebody who understands the community that is representing the community. Mm -hmm. And that's important to me. So. Um, Do you think that the current government is going to last longer than, you know, the standard 18 to 20 months as a minority government? I think this government will last as long as Justin Trudeau wants to last. I mean, because in theory, um, he doesn't need to do anything uh, at this point to antagonize any of the opposition parties to make it fall. So whenever it does fall, um, it will fall under 
the circumstances that Trudeau and his team wanted want. to fall under. Yeah. So it's not going to be because there is some conservative block NDP plot uh, or conspiracy that uh, takes down the liberal minority government. Because it's a minority, but it's still a strong minority. It's a right? very strong minority. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't think that any other party is in a position right now, um, you know, ours included, we have a leadership race going on to to try to take it down at any in any sense of the foreseeable future mm -hmm. i mean it'd be extremely inappropriate for us but it's also a financial matter too right I but mean, that's exactly even what even, the, even yeah. the ndp the ndp lost almost half their seats yeah. i mean i i i just could not understand how jagmeet singh came out during election night just hopping and dancing and smiling i i did i did not get that dude you lost half your seats yeah i think it's because he thought it was going to be a lot worse I think it's because <laughs> think? he thought it was going to be a lot worse and he felt to himself that, you know what, at least I have the the couple dozen seats that I have now versus, you know, three. Because three three was a prospect. Seven was a prospect. Yeah. He got two dozen. Quebec was destructive, man. He got his ass whooped in Quebec. Yeah. And, and But he knew that was coming. He, got, he has one left, right? One. In Quebec one. It's yeah. uh, Alexandre Boulris. Boulris, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, in... in like the only guy that legitimately deserved to celebrate was Yves François Blanchet. Yeah, he had every right to just flip oh. around and do do whatever he wanted. And and he celebrated all right. Okay. I mean, for my for my journalist friends that were there on the <laughs> ground, I mean, but there were the, the thing is too is that the 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 one thing they noted was the young people in the crowd with Yves François Blanchet. But and, that's and, always the case, man. Even with a Parti Québécois provincially, yeah. they managed to 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 rally a lot of youth. Yeah, they have turnaround, man. They have turnover, but. Provincially, though, it's different because a lot of that crowd kind of shifted to Quebec Solidaire. So they have an issue there with the Parti Québécois. Uh, but federally, there's only one option, right? So, um, yeah, no, they've always had the youth. Yeah. Which is what provincially the liberals struggle with. Which we had in 2014. But if you look at the voting blocks, uh, we won the youth in 2014. The CAC won it in 2018, um, the 18 to 25 vote. Yeah. Uh, and and it goes to show like you know how that is becoming a more important demographic if not the most important demographic look to everybody focus says on. it's the important demographic but at the same time when you look at the statistics they don't come out to vote they vote the least but they're voting more than they did before yeah and that and that's what people are focusing on right now and that's what you know when you look at polling experts you know you're you're no longer polling on landline telephones anymore you're polling yeah, on cell phones for and sure. you're polling online and online polling is becoming more and more accurate than any other polling the scary point. thing about youth is their loyalty their allegiance they're going to i feel like they shift based on uh uh issues yeah rather than their ideology Right, like the environment. Okay, who's going to defend the environment the best? We're going there. They're the new single issue voters. Yeah, which is I don't think necessarily a bad thing. I mean, if they want to, if if they want to capitalize on getting those issues spoken about and and actually seeing action on, I think it's it's a good thing to do. And I mean, I think you know Trudeau was banking on on doing that on climate change, and it worked by and large for him. Um, I think that you know, it, I it? think climate, yeah. I think climate change saved his butt more than you think. Um, I think that it saved him government and, and there was a lot of people confused with um oh, what's his name i'm forgetting his name the environmentalist there that one in uh, oh i debated him um Gilbo, Stephen yeah, Gilbo. Stephen Gilbo. I, he's the worst debater in the world <laughs> 
he cannot debate to save his life. Yeah, but he he's not a politician. Man. No, it's you know I mean? it's he, very evident. He's not a politician. Even at this point now, as minister, I I I'm I'm so sorry look, to his staff let, and to look, the liberal team. Let, let's get one thing straight. If Trudeau went and got one superstar, it was Stephen Gilbo. Who can't regardless, speak to save his life. Regardless. He won a writing that nobody ever imagined would would go to the liberals. This is Gilles Duceppe's writing, sure. all right? Sure. Um, Which, believe me, crushed me more than losing my own writing <laughs> on election night because I, I debated Stephen six or seven times during the campaign um, because I was the candidate that was sent on all the environmental issues. Apparently, yeah. I became an environmental issue specialist yeah. during the campaign. I was more than happy to take on the role, and I thought it was a lot of fun, and, and, I, and I learned a lot about environmental issues and climate change mm-hmm. and, and things that are really important right now. Um, but I had this knack for getting under his skin. Yeah. Like no other can. And his staff used to call ahead to the organizers and ask, they did this a second and third time, and ask, is Michael Forian going to be there? <laughs> and this the, the the organizer on this on the second or third one, they they called me and said that they're at they may not come if you're the if you're the confirmed candidate. I said, Oh, actually, it's gonna be whatever their face is over in that writing over there for the conservative party. Screw them over. So they're and then I would show up anyway. Of course. And so it was just and you could just see the you know, the the life sucked out of his face when he saw me. And he was like, Shit. No, but you know, it was it was but amazing. you see on that front, there was a lot of question marks. Uh, he lost a lot of credibility and actually m- more so like Stephen Gilbo more so than Justin Trudeau because he's like, mm. dude, you're the environmentalist. You campaign tooth and nail against the pipelines and all that stuff. And now you're running for a party right. that wants to build the pipeline kind of thing. Right. So I think they had coached him much more on that answer because they knew it was coming than anything else. So I don't know if just uh, Justin won the environmentalist. Yeah, but then, uh, then he gets Canadian heritage as his portfolio. And I mean, that's sort of like where you put the Melanesians of the world in terms of, of, you know, lack of, of political experience or, yeah. you know, people that you don't really trust or, or, you know, it, it seems as if like he got a cabinet position for the sake of getting a cabinet position, not yeah. because like he's, he's somebody who belongs in, in Canadian heritage, but yeah. you know, you can't put him in an environment or natural resources because it would, you know, the market natural resources stocks would collapse in Canada. I mean, there, there'd be a cry for help. Well, it would also affect his image to a certain extent. I mean, yeah. how much would he be willing to support whatever position the government would want to take on if he were the environment minister having to kind of debate in his mind everything that he's fought for his entire life? His, his tenure would be a very short one. Yeah. So uh yeah okay so the election comes around what do you guys need to win uh for the the next general election yeah i think that we need uh communicators and and communicators that can go and sell a message on on climate change that uh taps into you know the the hearts and mind of of the young people we were speaking about before and actually showing up to speak about these issues and and being you know, the, 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 the biggest inspiration for me when it comes to conservative politics that I've seen over the past a little while has been um, somebody from the UK, Boris Johnson. Mm-hmm. Boris Johnson, I think, is, is, a, is a master at uh, modern conservative political campaigning, almost the, the Jean Charest of the UK. And he's somebody who goes out and speaks about climate change, not because he's asked to, but because he wants to. Mm-hmm. He's somebody that comes out to speak about poverty, not because he's asked to, but because he wants to. And he engages with people in such a way, a very Jean Charest type way, but more, more fluid 
not less political, poli- almost a mix between a, a Trump and a, a Jean Charest. But he's an easy target. Eh? They're destroying this poor man. <laughs> yeah, but he, his numbers keep on going up in, yeah. in, in, in polling. And, yeah. and as much as like, you know, the keep on, of course, the opposition is there, labor is there to destroy mm-hmm. him. But at the same time, you look at him, you say like, this guy is Teflon. Mm-hmm. This guy is Teflon and he is able to sell a message of modern conservatism that Canada has not been able to tap into. Mm-hmm. And and here's the problem is that even when we're talking about Ronna Ambrose and we're talking about Peter McKay and then the newcomers like Pierre Padiev and, and Jean, Char- Jean Charest too, to a certain extent, but like putting Jean Charest aside, because let's say for all intents and purposes, he's not going to win the leadership race because mm-hmm. he just does not have the viable support he needs in the conservative leadership membership. Um, if we're left with the the other three, they're still pretty boring. Does anybody really excite? Does anybody go out there and say, hey, I'm so, I can't wait. I've been voting liberal all my life because I never saw a viable conservative option for me. Maybe with Rana, maybe with Peter, but I mean, do I see it yet? I don't. And that's why I'll work with whoever the leader is. Mm-hmm. That comes afterwards. I'll work in trying to 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 get them to that level of French. Fluency. But you don't see the excitement in the more viable. And that's what's starting. It's starting to worry me a little bit about this conservative leadership race. That there's not enough excitement, hmm. and that I I you know if Jean Charest is not going to be the guy, if it's Peter McKay, maybe he wins, but maybe he doesn't, and maybe he wins, but he doesn't win Quebec. See, look, I I, I disagree with you. With uh, obviously Jean Charest, I think. He, from what I've seen already, I mean, this guy can work a crowd. He can get people excited. Peter, He's Peter McKay. The, he, Jean Charest is not the next leader of the conservative yeah. party. I will put a thousand dollars hypothetical money. Yeah, yeah. I don't do that. <laughs> but I'm just saying, no, but I'm just saying like, I am. No, but in terms of excitement and maybe, oh, I, maybe, for I, sure. yeah, maybe but it's excitement that we're, ne- we're never yeah. going to witness. Peter McKay. I don't know him. Pierre Poilier to me looks like the most boring person. I, <laughs> And maybe I'm wrong. I hope I'm no, wrong. I don't know. I, I but I look at him. I'm like, he's gone. I've I've been sending my styling tips to John Barrett, and I've been saying you should speak to to, to Pierre about you know his haircut and his and his is not. Yeah, he non- looks like a little nerdy he, little kid. Frame, his frameless glasses, and and I and but I and I think you know maybe ten years ago, fifteen years ago, we wouldn't have been speaking about that in in Canadian politics. But I think today, in the dynamics that we're dealing with, we don't have a choice. You know what I think? I think you have to separate the image that people associate conservatism with mm-hmm. from the candidate. Like when you look at Pierre Paul, you're like, dude, that's a conservative. You know what I mean? You know, from a mile yeah, away. Dude. Yeah. So you have to lose that. You know, right. you have to look at someone and say, Hmm, okay. Like Peter McKay has it. Peter McKay has a look that he can do it. He has the look, but he doesn't have the, when he speaks, when he gives a speech, I've never yeah, heard it. Oh, I'm, I, I'm, I, uh, listen, maybe he, I've never, I, he I needs don't his remember. Red Bull or something before he goes on stage or something. Oh, it's right. not, it's, I, I just don't see it. And, and that, that the, oh, the, the thing that I've been missing is like the oom factor. When Max ran before he went nuts. He had it, man. No, he Max had it. Max had the oom factor. It, he had it, he had it. Max was boom, boom, boom. I'm there, baby. All the, 100% all the time. Okay, I, I see what you're saying now. So yeah, the, the candidates that, you know, yeah. Ronna, Ronna's great. Is she? But I want to see, I, 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 again, even she was, I think, a lot, a lot more tamed than she probably would have been um, as interim leader if she was, for example, legit leader or mm-hmm. duly elected by the membership. I think she, you know, she was tamed because she knew, hey, listen, I was voted upon to take on this role by the caucus members, not the membership at large. Mm-hmm. 
And so I have a certain reserve that I have to maintain. And yeah. she did that really well. Yeah. And she knew her role and she played it perfectly. But people wanted more from her and people want to see more from her. I have never in my life gotten more excited um, from a political speech than Jean Charest. Yeah. It's there. I'm putting it out there because it's 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 just the fact, man. He's it's running just, in the wrong party. I, I don't know, man. I think I think he's always been conservative. I think the fact that he was for such a long period associated to the Liberal Party of Quebec, people still have a problem distinguishing liberal. You know, people need to understand that the Liberal Party of Quebec, first of all, has nothing to do with the Liberal Party of Canada. To distinct, yeah, they, they broke off like in the '60s, right? I don't know when. It, yeah, I, but they I, broke I, off in the '60s. But at the same time, I mean, you, you said it to your, you said it yourself before. How many? provincial political staffers went to go work for Trudeau and have continued to go work for Trudeau after Couillard or when Trudeau was first elected. I mean, the transfer is almost so natural and so habitual at this point that we don't even bat an eye when it happens. Well, you you look at the people who are closest to Trudeau and PMO, uh, Philippe Roux, yeah, uh, you know who used to work for Alain David. Yeah, uh, is now Trudeau's, um, uh, you know, executive assistant. Yeah. You know, yeah. personal, yeah. personal secretary. There's a lot of people, man. There's you know. uh, there's John O'Kalis. Yeah, uh, love John. O'Kalis. You know, uh, Andre Lynn. Yeah, um, but she she left you PMO know. now. She's working um, with uh, Christian Freeman. Uh, is it Anne Clara Vaillancourt, who's now working as press secretary yeah. for um, uh, Trudeau? What's the other girl's name? Uh, I forget her name. You know, at the very beginning, Chloe Luciana Jawad, who was the person who, you know, she gave me my first job in mm-hmm. politics working for Jeff Kelly. There's a she lot, was the one dude. who recommended me to work in, in the PLQ. Look, there's she was working there's for Trudeau. Yeah, yeah. Look, there's a lot. And I'm telling you, I've spoken to a few. That's my there's a lot of it's, awkward things. It's very it's, awkward. But the question is, is I look, the, this last week, the wrong leadership. Look, I, this last week, people kind of calmed down. The text messages stopped. The phone call stopped. Mm-hmm. He took a hit. With all yeah. these things coming out in the media, um, I think anybody would have. It's not just you know, him. I think it's. But when his name was announced, dude, my phone didn't stop. The shockwaves. You know what I mean? And I spoke to a few people in his uh, in his entourage. There were a lot of people that were awkward. And you know what the thing is? Actually, uh, some didn't really want to express themselves. They're like, "No, oh, no, no, Sharay won't run." <laughs> they kind of just excluded him because you know, we don't even want to think. They're praying. We he don't even want to think about that, right? And having to make that decision, you know, who do I back and yeah. who do yeah. I? Like, oh, does, we, we hope it's Pierre Poilievre. We hope. Again, I don't want to. Maybe, maybe he has what it takes to be. But Justin, you know what? But, on, on Pierre, like we, we laugh at him and we say, "Oh, you know, he's he's just so he looks like an." A he's the kind of guy that can go downtown on Justin. I feel that he would he would have the dudes campaign though in the House of, of course, Commons. Yeah, of course, in the question he period. He's destroyed Trudeau, and and people say like during a debate, maybe and he was maybe, a finance critic too. So he, he was, yes, you know, right. he still is. Yeah, and, okay. and the thing and the thing is, is like you know, people say, "Well, maybe that's too much. Maybe we need somebody with a little more finesse. Maybe we don't. Maybe we." But I think you have to again, leadership races in the Conservative Party are different than leadership races in other parties. Liberal Party of Canada leadership races are ones that try to find a consensus candidate. Ours are trying to find, you know, the candidate that that embodies Stephen Harper and embodies what real conservatism is. You have to detach We're, from that. Of course, though, man, you know? yes. Yeah. Any political strategist would agree with you on that. And but I get the, that it's hard because the guy was there for such a no, long time. No, but it's time, hard right? because the members are are stubborn. And they're paid up members. No one should argue against them and say mm-hmm. you're 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 wrong. And I would never argue with a member and say you're wrong to vote for this person. Mm-hmm. But they feel that they're entitled to have that sort of 
um, support for what they believe the Conservative Party is, which is a center-right, fiscally responsible party that has ended um, the discussion on 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 gay marriage and, and yeah. abortion, but does not support a carbon tax. Yeah. And that's where they stand. And, and, and they feel that somebody like Jean Charest would violate I, I get the their understandings that, I, and their beliefs. I get the feeling that you're saying this because the West is so adamant on that one point. It's, it's the veto. It's the conservative party political veto when it comes to leadership races. Wow. So then it would be hard for anyone coming from the Eastern uh, provinces. No, Pierre coming in. I mean, Pierre, I think oh, yeah, he's from Pierre, Ontario. Pierre's yeah, from yeah. Carleton, just outside of yeah. Ottawa. I think he has a viable pathway and, um, the membership loves the fight and the the aggression and the, the 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 power that he has when he goes up against Trudeau. They they live off that. They feed off that, and that's why he's going to. Facebook be, loves it too, man. Let me tell you, that's the thing. <laughs> and and they're gonna the membership will will feed off of that. Um, you know, when it comes to do- donating money, Camp Pierce fundraising is going to be seamless. Yeah, but do you think that attacking the adversary is going to work this time around? I think if you make that adversary Trudeau, yes. Are you saying the leadership or the general? General. I think you have to. I think it's expected. I think, you know, what people we lacked a lot was ideas and people want ideas and people don't want you running on your record or your record as leader inside of an opposition party. Yeah. People want ideas. They want new ideas. But you, when you don't have those ideas, you're lacking them. What else do you have is to attack the the incumbent. Yeah. And that's the only thing you have left at that point. Which, which would make it very difficult for Sheree let's say he would run because he's gotten a couple mandates from uh, the Trudeau government, right? He's uh, he's the chief negotiator for the UN so they can get their seat back on the security council. Um, he was on the advisory board for the renegotiations of the, the, the new NAFTA agreement. Canada EU relations. Yeah. The new, the new trade deal for that. Also got a mandate for uh, the, the China, I think, uh, no, uh, yeah. the, the PPP, whatever it's called. And also uh, has a mandate to, to you know, defend Huawei. Uh, and that came uh, out recently. And, yeah, and, no. and, 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 you know, but I, I think that's, that's, it's his job, man. Look, the guy has a client. He's going to, he, he, he's there to make money. I yeah. mean, for, for McCarthy Tetra, uh, his law firm. And, and I think that nobody can, can take that away from him. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, you do have to be, you know, so it would be difficult for, See, let's say he would run, right? Hypothetically, it would be very unimaginable to see Justin Trudeau attacking him on his credibility when he's named him on so many missions and vice versa. Yeah. Uh, he's, actually, actually, been, he's been working for the Trudeau government over the course of the past four years. But you know what? He, he, it would be much easier for him to criticize. Say, yeah, look, I've had these missions and I've realized that you know, this and this, you know, the, the incompetence or yeah, it would be and, easy and, for him, which, which I'm sure uh, in my discussions that I've had with Jean Charest, um, I can tell you that, um, his frustration with a lot of those mandates is very apparent. Wow. And that, um, is probably one of the key motivators for him wanting to run against somebody like Justin Trudeau, because he finds that Trudeau is weak as a prime minister mm-hmm. and does not have a leadership style that any <coughs> Canadian prime minister would want to, you know, would, would aspire to. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it, it's almost too easy for him. Sherelle looks at it and says, Oh my God, I could do this so much better and, and make this guy look like a, like a, like a fool. Cause he could. Exactly. Personal opinion here. Personal, Personal opinion, opinion which, which I... And I, I know second. it's biased. <laughs> it's very biased. Which I second. But, I know, but I think yeah. anybody can see that. Even the... the Anybody. I, I, you know, when his name came out, the first thing that went through my mind was the debate. Uh, for, for, I don't know why. For some reason, I'm like, hmm. <laughs> How is this going to go debate. down? Really badly for everybody else. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. yeah. Monster. 
he 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 can rip you apart. Yeah. And in the in but in the most And he still got it, eh? I mean, he hasn't lost an inch. No. But even still, is it gonna be enough to I just think he has a, I I just think look, you know what the thing is? I think the West is gonna have to come to terms with the uh, the fact that they need to win. Right. So it's what you said before. You're going to have to concede, right? The people from the East are going to have to give something and the people from the West are going to have to take away something. I mean, at some point, you're going to have to come to a certain consensus and come to terms with the fact that do you want to win mm-hmm. or do we want another four years or whatever time in opposition, yeah. right? Um, when his name came out immediately, I thought, look, there's no, there is no other viable. Like at this point, in terms of politics, there is no one that can even match him right he knows canada inside out right he he's known much more internationally than anyone else he has a reputation he's worked on files that are still you know uh talked about today uh but the question is everything all that garbage all that baggage that he's carrying uh you know from quebec you know yeah which is unfortunate but uh and I think that that's just still going to be there. I think it's going to block him. I think it's that hurdle. I, I I just don't see how he can he can overcome it. And I don't see how the party could be fair to everyone else and allow him to uh, to put down his nomination if he's being investigated. Right. And I, I think that if unless again, they find some sort of loophole or some excuse, I, I don't know. There there is. I one. hear he's very close with Lisa Raitt, though. I hear they're they're. Mm, yeah, they've they've had phone calls. They've had exchanges. So. Yeah. Here's the thing. The bottom line is that, um, you know, everybody's loyalty. If there's one person that is, that that the conservative membership and the conservative party is an institution, the the employees of the party, the caucus members, the the conservative party as a whole, if there's one person they're loyal to, it is still Stephen Harper, and one has to respect that. And and so my point being is that. When you see, because he's still very active in the party, very. I mean, apart from having resigned from the Conservative Fund in the past week, yeah, uh, you know, supposedly to take on Shirey's candidacy, which he's now saying is a go. He's he's he, he's taking. What a man! You know, this is this is this is him saying because Shirey did call him, and Shirey did call him and, and and did ask for him to give his, you know, his a- approbation to his candidacy, and Harper told him to have off. <laughs> Harper Harper said no. He said, "Are you are you crazy? There's there's no way I'm going to say yes to you making a run to take over the party that I brought together." Oh, the card is full. <laughs> what are you gonna do, man? I don't know. It's okay. We're gonna continue. We're gonna stop. The can video. I? Are you gonna? Can I run to the washroom really quick? Yeah, yeah. We'll okay. take a break. Go ahead. If there, that was the best, the best timing because I my bladder's gonna be. <laughs>
That? Yeah, we'll just do audio. Okay. This happened with uh, Francesco Miele. I don't know if you know him. He's a yeah, he's a counselor. Counselor. Yeah. He comes over. Goes how how long? I got about an hour, an hour and a half. Dude, the guy was here for like two and a half hours. Get out. Yeah. <laughs> so the YouTube video just ends. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> there was no more room. Wait, you you know what's going good when it's going long. So you <laughs> yeah, know, I'm not weird. complaining. Uh. So yeah. So Sharik called him, and I got told him to fuck off. <laughs> But you know what? I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think he was surprised, and I think he probably expected that answer. He just did what he had to do because you know, out of courtesy. Let me just. Call I don't him. think he expected Charette to. Uh, sorry, I don't think Charette expected Harper to, you know, resign his seat on the conservative fund. No, that no. But I'm sure he expected his answer. But to to drop uh, drop every his connection with but the conservative party, huge, though, and eh? then but but to say I'm actively campaigning yeah, no, no, that's huge. against your your presumed candidacy i will do everything to destroy you that's i will support your opposition in a leadership race i will make sure that you will not even get close <laughs> to winning this leadership contest that that honestly just changed the dynamics of this whole campaign right it, it, it kills you. You're you're dead from day one, and that's why. But that's saying. not good for the party, though. Uh, a lot of people are upset. A lot of people are upset that that Harper's doing this. But there's also a lot of people that are the the Harper loyalists, which I would say are the vast majority of the yeah. party, that are saying, "Thank God he's doing this, and thank God he understands that it's important to you know look after the integrity of of the party in itself." Because they look at Sheree and they say they think their impression is that he doesn't have integrity and that, you know, they don't look at the investigation or allegations against him or not against him in the same light that you and I look at it as Quebecers who are, were, were involved with the PLQ or are involved with the PLQ. And we understand sort of the, the, the background that people in Western Canada or in other parts of Canada don't. 
mm-hmm. and and we have that knowledge they they don't and then yeah. that's a benefit to us but maybe a disadvantage to them but yeah it's going to be interesting definitely man in the next uh, the next coming weeks until the end of february uh, thanks for coming huge uh, pleasure i love doing thank, this with thanks you. for the thanks for the wine i wasn't expecting it i was preparing to make coffee you walked in you're like fuck the coffee I brought wine. This podcast is brought to you by <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pital de Soyos I 2016. Hope, I hope it was brought by. <laughs> hey <laughs> but, now. Uh, I appreciate it, buddy. Um, I'm going to be seeing you, obviously. Uh, yeah. I, we're we're going to be having this discussion, or at least a round two, I think, uh, sometime in the next little while to, whenever, to catch man. up on this. Whenever, I think I, it's, you, you live nearby, so. Brossard boys. You just give me a call and uh, we'll set it all up. Big time. Thanks, bud. Huge pleasure.